Warning, this show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are hours and hours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. And welcome to that Disney Parks podcast. I'm Nick, and on this episode, I'm joined by P Dubs. Hello. I'm joined by Mr. D. Hello again. Long time no speak. Yes. Uh, and somebody that I have spoken to quite a lot recently, we've also got Craig. Hello again, again, again. Yes. Um, now look, me and Craig were away last week. We left the uh the ship in the capable capable hands of P Dubs. But I don't recall an episode coming out last week. No. No, afraid not. <laughs> Things didn't quite... <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff came out. Too much. Um, yeah, so we won't go any further than that. But yeah, they weren't so capable. Yes. So yeah. there you go. So if you're wondering where an episode was, that's that's where it was. It was being planned at, at least twice. Uh, yeah. And then, and then possibly a third time as well when I was back, but that didn't happen either. So, yeah, that that's what happened. That's why there was no episode. But we're we're here now. Uh, and Patreons, you lovely people, um, you have got some content because uh, Craig, I don't know if you saw, but today I released uh, day zero of uh, Disneyland Paris. Oh shoot! No, I didn't know. Yes. That is now live for the Patreon. Not I like better than listening to myself. Yeah, I know, I know. And the thing is, I have literally put it out raw. I've added some music and I've added some, you know, kind of like interlude bits. Um, but I have not, I've not edited the audio. So all of the horrible things you said to our about our listeners, that's all in there. I don't remember what I said. Yeah, I to put it this way. The patrons may not realise it's out either yet. So if I was you, I'd listen to it as quick as you can and then give me any notes of things you want me to take out before legal action is brought against you. That's all I'm saying. That's not to ask, to be honest. Fair enough. Um, so I thought uh, Mr. D would, would discuss your recent uh, adventures. Can do it. Yeah. But before, before we do that, two things we've got to do. Uh, one is see if any any news happened, uh, and and before even that, we have to ask the question: What is everybody drinking? And I'm excited because I've been holding off on this for Mister D's return. So, uh, P Dubs, is it some kind of rehydration drink or? It's just a peppermint tea. I'm afraid. Oh my god! <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, having, having, it's just a peppermint tea. It's I'm just afraid. a peppermint tea, yeah. Uh, I mean, having been out with Craig for uh, four days, I now know why uh, he he uh, laughs so foolishly at uh, P-Dubs drinking on his podcast when it's something like a peppermint tea. 
Um, Mr. D, what do you have? I, I have a rum and cork. Um, my pineapple rum. Given that we're going to be talking about tropical things and mm. South, South Pacific things, I'm on the pineapple rum and coke. There. I did have, yeah. I did have a key lime pie cider. Mm? What in the cider. hell? I got it from uh, from Trader Joe's when I was out in the states. Um, unfortunately, the uh, the morning that we packed, uh, we were over our, our weight limit, <gasps> so certain things had to be drunk <laughs> quickly, and that was one of them. I mean, why didn't you just leave drunk. some shoes behind? Well, yeah, I should have done. Yeah, yeah that's, only, what, that's what Craig did. Brought, I bought 15 pairs of Disney Crocs. I should have just left them. No, yeah, croc, Crocs, weigh, Crocs weigh nothing. 15 yeah. pairs of Crocs weighs about, I don't know, a bag of crisps. Yeah. So light. So the, I drank the key lime pie cider. It was, it was quite nice. It was more... It was lime cider. I wasn't getting... Mm. I wasn't getting, you know, anything other than a lime lame flavor on top of the side but it was very nice so i'm going to tell you about something i had today um not to drink but to eat i had a um merry christmas pot noodle oh jesus so it was a christmas uh, flavored pot noodle uh, for those that don't know what a pot noodle is it's uh like like a cup of noodles Thing, like a ramen or something that you buy it's a uk thing though and uh, they're normally flavored you pour water into them you let them boil for a little bit and then you you add a sachet of of sauce to give it additional flavor whatever this one didn't come with a sachet it was just all in there it was essentially like gravy and the little bits of, of like soy meat that they put in them were basically sage and onion so it was like stuffing and gravy flavored noodles and it sounds a lot worse than it was but the the the, the sage and onion flavor was so strong it, it overpowered any other flavor that was supposed to be in there so i know what you mean mr d when when something's supposed to be multiple flavored that sometimes one just just is so piercing for it that you just can't yeah. can you no no <sighs> it's like for those who don't know what it is it's like it's kind of like space food from the 70s Except it's not. So the idea is like space food, and that you add water, and there's this beautiful, you know, noodle, delicious yeah, but, noodle dish. But... but the thing is, this is this is something that is really popular around the world. Like not pot mm. noodle itself, but you know, noodles yeah. and cups in Japan. Yeah. I was reading this today. You, um, there's certain brands where you pour the water into the cup of noodles, and the actual pot itself heats up. It's a self-heating, like, plastic tub. Yeah, that's got to be good for you right there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just a little bit Can't of radiation. Just a little Must bit of radiation. natural. Yeah, exactly. No artificial colours or flavourings. No, exactly. You know, they just cut them off from the noodle tree and, you know, mm-hmm. get some meat from the hand bush. Craig, you've been a busy little boy. I know where you've been. So, what are you drinking? Well, that's an excellent start. Whatever he's drinking, it must be good. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I was watching our Yvonne rate my takeaway. Okay. 
She's just done a plug on Rate My Takeaway for K Tams. Boom. Yeah, but you're on a podcast, you nutter. If she's going to so put this is like anything, the metaverse again. K Tams, K Tams is dog shit. We've established that already. Plug this podcast, not K Tams. What are you drinking? Why would I? Why would I plug this podcast on this podcast? On Rate My Takeaway. Just, just, just. What are you drinking? Well, no, she was in York. You My see. drink is getting warm. What are you drinking? Why? What are you drinking? What are you drinking? I'm drinking um, a cheeky little French Bordeaux. Why? What are you drinking? So this is I've been saving this for Mister D, like I said, and this well, and the and the reason why I emphasise so much on what you, your key lime pie cider is because I think this might be another thing like it, Mister D. I have got. My uh from Sainsbury's, their own brand, a cherry colada, cherry colada, cherry colada, so uh cider. There you go. Easy for me to say. Um, so this is cherry colada, so cherry and pineapple. Right, so it's cherry, pineapple, and coconut flavor. Oh well, flavors. So I've mm-hmm. not had one of that. I bought this a few weeks ago. Um, I've been saving it specifically for you to return because we we like mm. the um, the regular uh, pina colada one, didn't we? That they oh, do, yeah. and this is yeah, obviously like their their fifth their festive take. Mm. So, okay, smells. Yeah. I'd say it smells more cherry than anything mm. else, but that's fine. It's you know it's, it's pink in color. It should be cherry. Okay. How is it? It's nice. It's nice. Yeah. I would say, actually, despite the colour of it, I would say the pineapple, you can still really taste the pineapple, mm-hmm. but you can taste cherry and coconut as well. That's that's really good. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Where did you see the girl from? Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's, okay. I'll look out yeah. for that. So it was where they didn't have the, uh, the pina colada last mm-hmm. morning there they but they have this one instead so i think this is what they're bringing out for christmas instead of the the pina colada right. cider that they do but uh okay. yeah very mm, good nice. yes i'm always looking for stuff to buy in sainsbury's because if you spend 10 quid you can park for free for two and a half hours so uh well these i think the center of town i think these were one pound 80 each so okay. what's that nine half a dozen yeah yeah just just yeah. to be just to be safe by, by, by 12 by a full dozen yeah. yeah um right now we've got that out of the way let's go and have a look at um see if there's any news that's been going about so uh, as we said me and craig have been away at disneyland paris so we've not really been able to kind of keep on top of things obviously peed up you've been sick as well Mr. D, I know it's very busy not doing anything for a living anymore. So um, because of that, we haven't really been paying attention. So I'm assuming that since we last recorded a few weeks ago, absolutely nothing of any importance has happened at all. No, the Walt Disney Company hasn't imploded or or anything at all. Not in the slightest. That's good. That's good to hear. I know they were showing an Elton John concert last week. Yeah, someone yeah. was meant to be introducing, weren't they? And yeah, I think didn't so. Didn't yeah. turn up. Yeah. Oh, but 
I, I didn't. Yes, I didn't um, watch it because it was on. Like, it was on like at four o'clock in the morning our time. So I didn't. I didn't actually see it. So who was who was supposed to be introducing then? Was it Kiki D? Because so, I mean, she's so, glorious for doing it. She was there. No, she was. Oh, there. okay. She actually did turn up. Ooh, ooh. Uh, so, some some guy called Bob. Not sure. Which one? Oh, Hoskins. No, he's dead, isn't he? Can't yeah. be that. Oh, spoilers. Is it? Um, is it that cat? Bob the knob. No, wasn't it that cat? That cat was called Bob, wasn't it? Yeah, the that does the that film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Burger Man. Was it? Yeah, was it the Burger Man? P Dubs. I think. It no, was. I I thought it was the painter. Bob Ross was it? Oh, oh, oh still, so, it's uh, it's t- too soon. Too soon. He's only been dead thirty years. It's too soon. What about Bob Monkos? That wasn't that wasn't yesterday. Was it? Was it? What about Bob? The nineteen ninety one, I think, Richard Dreyfus and Bill Murray comedy that no one remembers other than me. It seems. I need to watch that now. Luke, get on it. Um, what 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 Bob then? We've we guessed a load of Bobs, but I don't think any of them have been right. Which one was it? Which one was it? <laughs> That would be Bob Chapek. Ah, the Chape star. What, yes. the, CEO of, the CEO of the Disney company? Of course, it makes perfect sense why he'd uh, come out on stage yeah, to, yeah. you know, welcome out and join yeah, out yeah. Dodger Stadium. <laughs> yeah, Craig would be right. The ex-CEO of the Walt Disney company. Uh, what? Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, hey. we have the latest. Bob, Bob Chapek's back. Bob Iger's out. No. <laughs> Just all cheese Just the roundabout. It's double bubble. Du- yeah. Double bob bubble. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was hilarious, right? I mean, me and Craig woke up uh, in each other's arms. Sure. Yeah, we was in we was in separate beds in separate rooms, but yeah. Um, I didn't need to have that mental image forced upon me. Well, you don't have to live it, Mr. Day. So I mean, I, th- I, I want to say we got up about seven or eight o'clock in the morning. So the news was still pretty fresh when we'd got up. But literally, our social media, and obviously we, we have different social media, but our social media themes were just like, bam. Every other like well, person like seemed to tweet about it. Oh, bam. Well, yes, indeed. So let me under- let me just how I understand it. So Bob Chapek was supposed to be at Dodger Stadium to introduce Elton John for his final night of his US leg of his farewell tour that was yeah. being simulcast on Disney Plus and didn't because just like hours before he got a phone yeah. call to say you're on your Get your bike, mate. You're off. Yeah, and the other other Disney executives that were there in the audience were getting their messages to say they being uh, sacked off mm-hmm. while they were there. Be, be careful. Well, put it this way, Bob. You're like a candle in the wind, <laughs> and we're we're snuffing you out. I mean, it's it's been what I think is interesting about the the Chapek decision like that is the fact that. When was it? Two or three months ago, the the boat, the the, the boat, the the board gave him a vote of of confidence mm. to continue on until was it twenty twenty five? I think 
Yeah. Um, another three years. Yeah, but if that yeah. happens at Watford, you've got no chance, do you? So, yeah. They had their fingers crossed, crossed though. <laughs> well, yeah, we talked about it because we were a little bit surprised at how, how uh, you know, they, they seem to all be, you know, sticking behind despite all the, the negative publicity and, you know, and everything that goes along with it. And then literally a few months later, they're like, yeah, actually, you, you, you're done. And from what I've read as well, so, I mean, and, and again, look, you know, we can only talk about what people have talked about, right? You know, it's going to be very hard to get the, the full details, but it did appear that the call to or the or the reach out to Bob Iger happened on Friday afternoon. Yeah. So it seemed he did. a very quick kind of, you know, turnaround. Yeah. He'd even done so he'd done like a conference earlier in the week saying he had no intention of going back, that he was done. Yeah, that's what they all yeah. say before um, they do. Yeah, I'm a wrestling well, fan, I hear like that all the time. Just, to give, uh, just like they give Bob Chupik a vote of confidence. It's like, yeah, 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 nah. Well, I, I've also like read that uh, part of the reason why the senior board lost faith in him was because of how much Disney Plus had actually lost yeah, I think it's just over a billion dollars now. Yeah. It's losing oh, every oh, year. So that is an ongoing loss. They lose a billion every year. Yeah. It's not like they've lost a billion. So yeah. it's yeah. mountain is my point. Oh, my God. Oh, right. Okay. I thought you were pretending like it wasn't anything major. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm with you. No, now. no. So, so next year, it'll be two billion. The year after, it'll be three billion. Well, it's only. I mean, look, the thing is, it's only it's only that if everything remains the same. So, I don't know. Let, let's just say that they they spend eight hundred million dollars a year on production, exclusively for Disney Plus. So, if if they spend that much, that's how much it's going to cost. So, you would you would think if you're if you've got a, a deficit like that, you've got to you've got to cut some corners and that means maybe less original programming or um, the same amount of original programming, but with even smaller budgets. You but know, this, this is what, this is what we've talked about, about how you quantify a, a new film going on there, like the Pixar films. How do they, is it retention? Is it, is it new subscribers because that film's on? How do they put a value on that film? I know mm. that film's cost money to me, but if it had gone to the pictures, to, to the cinema, it would have made 500 million, 300 million, or whatever mm. this new one has, hasn't made. So it's, it's a strange thing to say they're losing a billion every year when they don't know. I, well, I mean, I mean is a there billion... a, is there, videos on this to, to explain it well, no, i mean i mean i can explain it without even watching any videos it, simply put disney plus is losing a billion a year i've used an example of like what their production costs might be for their original content but i've just pulled that out of thin air it could be more it could be less the simple fact is everything has a cost associated to it so the servers um the the distribution uh servers um you know the different yeah, licensing well, agreements that they've yeah, got yeah. in different I countries mean, for different content. Just signed off Doctor Who, for example, haven't he? Right. 
Now, we won't get that over here, but they've gone into a deal, a partnership, or they're, they're picking up some of the costs, aren't they, PDAPs? Yeah, they've, uh, by all accounts, they've tripled the, the budget Wow! For, for the upcoming season. else? It's, it's going to be at £100 now. Our <laughs> <laughs> episode, that's amazing. Five yeah. for the new TARDIS. Yeah. Stavros is getting a new box. But it's, but the thing is, Craig, it, it, there's all these things, and also as well, we we got to also think about is all the the other stuff behind. So you're you're paying somebody to run Disney Plus, you're playing you're paying people to be in charge of developing new concepts. You're in charge of, um, you know, head of creatives. You know, all all this stuff. There, there's there's all these operating costs associated with everything. Same with Netflix. But how you yeah. quantify it? That that is where it gets interesting because. You know, as we record this, um, I went to see Glass Onion, which is the new Knives Out film. Now, yeah. Netflix paid about five hundred million for two Knives Out sequels. This is the first, so this comes out on Netflix next month. I think the twenty third of December or something. They gave it a one week exclusive uh, release at cinemas. So that film will have a box office revenue, uh, which most you know, most Netflix f- films don't, and it, or even if they do, they get a very uh, limited run at cinemas. You know, sometimes it might only be a handful per country or something. So they don't make any money doing that either. It's more for the prestige. Um, so they've spent five hundred million. How do they quantify that in Netflix subscriptions? Is it because no, no. they see you know, a million more subscribers in the month of December than they had in November. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the answer is exactly. I mean, that's that's obviously a a pretty obvious one. But then you you don't just put one film on, do you? Or one new show? Or people don't just resubscribe to Netflix because there's Christmas films on there that they want to watch. They can only watch Netflix. Do you know what I mean? Like... Even that's not a guarantee as to what the impact was of that. And Netflix and Disney Plus don't like giving out subscriber numbers, you know, like uh, ratings, you know, how many people have viewed. They'll come out with these statements like um, She-Hulk had the uh, the biggest Marvel yeah. premiere. What does that mean? Do you know what I mean? Like how many people watched that within the first three days of release? You know, was it a quarter of you know the the subscriber count? Was it ten percent? You know, we don't know. So all of this stuff is is kind of is kind of weird. But if you're if if part of your company's losing a billion dollars a year, and it shows no sign of of closing that gap, then that is a that's a big problem to have. It's I mean it's it's a problem for. Not just no, it's problem for JPEG. <laughs> well, it's problem for them, but I mean, I think the, the the problem. I mean, it is a relatively new business, and it's it's one of these, um, you know, kind of game changing moves. Really, I mean, the whole model of, you know, do you put movies into cinema, or do you put them on streaming, or do you put them in cinema, then put them in streaming? How long do you wait, and all that? It's all it's all unknown territory, really. Before um, I've got I've got a view on that with regards to the future, I think. But before before we discuss that, 
as we recorded this just a few hours ago, Bawaga did take to uh, the floor again, as it were, as an, as the you know reappointed uh, leader of the company to address uh, co-workers and you know theme park staff and you know creative staff to you know come to a town hall about uh, his plans and everything like that. And I don't know if you you looked at what uh, Craig sent over earlier, but there seemed to be very little. He seemed to be very keeping his cards very close to his chest. I think that's because he's literally been back a week. Yeah, he seems to be playing the dumb card. He's like, well, I've yeah. heard about this. He talks. He talked about like the move from California of Imagineering to to Florida. Well, I've heard about it, but I haven't made a decision yet. And the same about the park reservation system. I've heard about it. I haven't tried it yet. I'm going to talk to Josh tomorrow. You know, it's all. Yeah, bloody right. He's heard about these things. He, he's more than heard about them. Um, in some cases, he was hands on involved in them. But um, anyway, he's. He obviously isn't, you know, he isn't. He hasn't made any big moves other than to fire a couple of senior executives at the minute. I don't think. No, that's that's been about the the damage at the moment. And to be honest, it's not really his style to come in like a wrecking ball. Anyway, mm. you know, even when he first took over from Eisner, it was very softly, softly catching monkey, wasn't it? You know, that the first bit of fire damage he had to, um, the first fire he had to put out when he took over was Pixar was the fact that at that time Pixar were ready to up and go because yeah. of um falling out with Eisner. So that was his first kind of point of of uh of action was to resolve. He that did situation. say he isn't he isn't planning on buying anything at the moment. Well I do wonder about the boat. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously this isn't a thought though or has that not gone through yet? As, as far as I know, it hasn't gone through. Now, regardless of that, like if it's gone through, it's gone through. These things normally don't happen that quickly. You know, it's like buying a house or something. It doesn't just happen overnight. What they would have done, I'd imagine, is enter into a, an agreement of sale. And what that means is that there'll be penalty clauses all throughout that. So if they decide not to go through with it, Disney will be left to pick up some kind of bill for not doing it. Um, now, I, I don't even know if we know what the sale price was of that boat. Apparently, it was favourable. Um, but for those who don't know, that it's it's the biggest ship in the world. Yeah. The cruise ship in the world. Um, well, it's got something I stupid. Should, you know, like... I also should have bought it. Well, they needed a this... bigger boat. <laughs> if there's a shark around, exactly. yeah. Um, that that boat has to be partially DVC. It's dead easy. It's self-funded in that respect. And, it, uh, it won't be because it's no, going it to Asia. Be. It's going to yeah. Asia. There is nowhere else big enough for it to go. Wow. It's a cruise well, ship. It's not a top, DVC resort. It's a cruise ship. On, on top of that as well, it's got because of it. It was built. It was built for the Asian market anyway. Um, yeah. It's got a massive casino. Now, I, 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 yes, of course, you can rip out a casino. You, you know, if you t- take over a boat, you can do yeah. whatever you want. But the casino's there ready to go. Like the whole, pretty much the whole ship's ready to go. So it's going to cost, you know, millions probably to convert it into a Disney ship. 
um, yeah. and the casino, you you can't have a boat. And Disney Under were talking about this yesterday about well, does it need a casino? What? Well, yes, if it's in Asia, absolutely. Like not having a not having a casino for something like that in Asia is similar to Euro Disney opening where you couldn't buy wine with your meals. Just a really bad idea where you haven't understood the local culture. You know, that casino is going to stay uh, if that ship's going to stay in Asia. And like you say, it's it's too big to go anywhere else anyway. But what I've heard them speak about and other people speak about as well is the fact that the Imagineers, or certainly some of the senior Disney execs, were sent on a scouting mission to look at this boat to, you know, decide whether or not it was something that they could take on. And they came back and said, absolutely not. And then he's bought it anyway. Now, let's just say, I, I don't know what a ship of that size would cost to buy. But, you know, let's just use a Disney Plus model. Let's say it cost a billion dollars. Well, it was 1.8 billion it cost to build. And, and the thing is, they were looking to offload it, right? Because the company had gone bankrupt. So they're not yeah. going to pay. Yeah, Disney didn't pay 1.8. No. But that's what it cost. So let, let's let's call it let's call it a billion. So they've spent a billion pounds on a on a cruise ship with a company that is already building additional ships and already has what a fleet of five or six. You know, it's not like yeah, Disney needed cool. another boat. So I, I I that that could have been the tipping point. If he's going against everybody else and not just going against everybody else and making a, a small decision, but making a huge financial decision. Yeah. So, so I'd be and also, on that note, in the last few days, they've removed the uh, the sign from Castaway Key that said Master Ship Builder JPEG. They are not messing around. No. I think it's all good. I think it'll work. I think it can work. Just name it to Disney Plus and, and just have, I think, it, yeah, it's Disney. It's what they do. Mm. It'll be fine. What was you going to say, Mr. D? Uh, just, it, I, I think it's like a massive distraction. You know, it's, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what they, what they do, whether they follow through with it now that they've committed it to some extent. But um, I would guess that if they could get out of it, Relatively cheaply, they'd, they'd go out of it, but we'll see. I mean, the they have got another couple cap. of ships in the in the works, and you know, it's just I, I think they need to focus on their core problems around around uh, you know Disney Plus um, being the biggest sort of financial issue at the minute, which kind of which kind of affects not everything, but you know Disney Disney Plus is directly tied to most of the business really in terms of making movies and television and licensing movies and television whereas the cruise ship is is a tangential thing so it'll be interesting to see i think i think if i can get out of it it'll get out of it but it will cost them money to do that. oh it'll, um, it'll other, cost otherwise tens of millions Otherwise, he might just if they're already committed, he might just park it up. You know what I mean? Just spend minimal on it and not worry about it for a couple of years because they've got another couple of ships in the works anyway. Hmm. Um, you know, and just either let this be somebody else's problem in two years' time, or or just 
fix the main problems right now and just come back to that when he's when he's got the time and the resources. But uh, we'll see. I, I don't think it's Disney's biggest issue right now, but it was a strange move to make. Well, let's let's talk about what is probably their biggest issue right now, and that is their film division, right? So we've obviously got the Marvel films, which are still making decent money. Like Black Panther 2 is not uh, not doing as well as the first one, but, I mean, it's still doing really, really well. Um, I think it might be, like, the biggest November release ever. You know, it's it's still tracking to end up possibly missing out on crossing a billion-dollar worldwide figure the first one mm. overstepped but i mean if it does it's if it doesn't reach the the billion dollar mark it's it's going to fall short by a small margin it's not going to be uh an issue so the marvel films are still doing really well the problem is is with disney traditional films and this comes back to disney plus point so this weekend i went to see strange worlds which is up there Star with Trek. Huh? Star Trek? No. That's what I mean. It sounds like Star Trek. Be no advertising, no nothing. Hey, what do you mean it sounds like it's literally called Strange Worlds? Where does that sound Star- like Star Trek? P dabs will back me off. No. That's the, that, yes, I will actually, because that's the latest spin off. It's Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Right, but it's not, but not Star Trek. No, but it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like the extended title. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this this film has had almost zero marketing. A trailer came out with Lightyear. Um, the merchandise didn't even hit Shop Disney until the day the film came out, or the day before the film came out. I've seen no YouTube videos for it. I've seen no bus posters for it. I've ne- not seen any underground train station posters for it. I've seen no promotion for it. I saw one poster in my local cinema about a week before it came out. They've just done nothing. They've just, they've not bothered marketing it at all. I went to see it Friday night. They were only showing it in two screens in my cinema. Every, every other screen was taken up with either Knives Out, Matilda or uh, Black Panther, pretty much. So this was relegated to two screens. There was six people in the cinema watching it with me at six o'clock on a Friday night. Six people. One of them had Vulcan ears on. Yes. And a Starfleet uniform. Um it, it's it's been absolutely awfully marketed. It's bombed in America. Um it was it was looking to do less than 20 million for its opening weekend, coming in, I think, third maybe second in the charts behind Black Panther, which is still doing, as I said, really well. But I think the reason, well, two reasons why it flopped. Firstly, because Disney didn't bother marketing it. Don't market the film, no one's going to go and watch it. The second one is the Disney Plus conundrum. And that is now that during the pandemic, and bear in mind, we got Disney Plus literally on the on the start of the pandemic right disney plus launched day one of lockdown in the uk because we were months behind so what we've had since disney plus launched is films coming out either exclusively on the service 
or they did Premier Access for a bit, didn't they? Where you could you could pay to watch it a little bit early. Um, but also this really short window of sixty days or less from the cinema release. Now, some films have had the 60-day window. Uh, other films have been on Disney Plus much quicker. And, you know, a good example of that was Encanto last year, which opened up the exact same weekend as Strange Worlds did and was on Disney Plus Christmas Day. So, you know, four weeks later. And Strange Worlds hasn't been announced as we record this as going to Disney Plus on Christmas Day, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what the, the plan was or what that, that was the intention all along. But what we've got now, or what Disney have got now, is this problem where they'll release films to the cinema and people don't turn out to watch them because they know they can watch on Disney Plus quite quickly afterwards. Mm-hmm. And... The trailer for both of them films is on Disney Plus now. Yeah, Black Panther and, and Strange Worlds. So yeah. it would it would put people off, especially. The, this goes back years, though. All this this mis um, misadvertising of movies and flops happening, and and they've got it the wrong way round as well. On some of them, some of the stuff that's gone straight to Disney Plus has been absolutely worthy of a cinema release. I mean, this was, and my review of it just came out over on the Walking Movies. Has it gone out on Walking? Oh, no, it's gone out on the Patreon. It'll go out on Walking Movies like tomorrow. Um, but for me, this was the best uh, Disney animated film I'd seen in quite a while because it wasn't like an Encanto. It wasn't like a, a, a Frozen. You know, it was aimed more at probably a, a boy audience because it was an adventure film. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the animation was stunning. I thought the storyline was interesting. I, I like the fact it wasn't a musical. We've got accustomed to, you know, every Disney film being a musical. You know, it felt like something different. And I, I like the different art styles in it. I really, really enjoyed it. And so I was gutted that it's gone the way it has. But then the other the other way around, Craig, so you're, you're right in that Disney aren't, haven't been very good at, at you know, promoting their films. But then the other end of that coin is they over-promoted Lightyear. You know, everyone knew when that was coming out. The toys were out in the shops, you know, two or three months before the film came out. You know, I could I could buy Lightyear toys anywhere that sold toys, whether that was a toy shop, whether that was a supermarket. They were everywhere. Merchandise, t- T-shirts, pajama sets, you name it, you could buy Lightyear-themed, you know, versions of it. And it bombed because people didn't care enough to go and see it at the cinema because they knew it was going to come on Disney Plus in a month or two time. And it did. I think it was 45 days after it opened at the cinema, it was on Disney Plus. So why are people going to spend, you know, 30 quid to 100 quid for a trip out for the family to go to the cinema to see a film when they're paying a Disney Plus subscription? If they just wait a few weeks, it'll be on there anyway. Disney is like accustomed people to expect now that if they don't go to the cinema to see the film, they're not going to be waiting six months to a year to watch it at home. They are going to be waiting six to eight weeks. This is where it gets interesting, really, because it is a conundrum. You know, do you 
do you rely on? I mean, Disney will have numbers about, you know, the average household spend in the cinema in a year. Yeah, yeah, and they'll be, they'll be figuring out, right, okay, well, you know, if the average household spend is, is 50 quid a year and we can get 100 quid a year out of them by subscribing, then, you know, we're better off. But it, it will affect the cinema model as well because if you're, you're right, you know, cinema ticket prices have, have gone up and up and up just like everything else. And you now take a family of four for the cinema and when you add in food and drink and stuff, you, you can probably, one movie, you could probably pay for a year's Disney Plus subscription. And people will be, some people will be doing that calculation. And so what does that mean? Does that mean that the cinema should drop the price to make it more attractive? But if they do that, then it makes it less attractive for companies to release in the cinema because they're not going to make as much money, you know. Do, do you get, get cinemas... To the point where Disney buy cinema chains? They can't do that right. because it's against the law now. Because that's what I used yeah. to do. Like all you know, studios did use their own cinemas, right? It was a monopoly, and they they mm-hmm. you know disbanded that whole model. Now, mm-hmm. to your point about cheaper cinema tickets. Now, where I live, we've still only got one cinema. Our, our, our new cinema has been delayed. I think until after Christmas. Now it's supposed to be opened up last spring. Um, mm-hmm. So we've only got one game in town. Now my yeah. and it's a city world cinema. People know that. Um, I think if you go uh, regu- like as a like, by a regular ticket on a regular day, I think an adult is about 13, 14 pounds. If you go IMAX or 4DX, you're mm-hmm. looking at about 17, 18 pounds a ticket. And a kid's price is a, a normally about half that or you know, two thirds of, of an adult seat. Now, if I drive 10 miles down the road to another town. There's two cinemas, and they charge £4 a ticket or £5 a ticket any day of the week. So the thing is, cinemas, and that's obviously because they've got you know very close competition. You know, you can walk between the two cinemas, so they, they have to be competitive. But the thing is, when cinemas are, are charging those kind of prices, they're not making much because that they're relying on people buying, you know, cinema chains will tell you, they don't make money showing films. They make money bringing people in and those people buying drinks and snacks. That's where they make most of their money. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, if we go back to the beginning of the pandemic, when Universal was the first company to say, right, what we're going to do, because we can't release these films at the cinema, is we're going to re- sell them for a 48-hour window as a rental. Mm-hmm. So you pay £15 or $20, whatever it was, to, to buy Trolls yeah. 2 and you get access to that for 48 hours and the reaction in America was AMC turned around and said we're not going to show Universal Films anymore yeah. now the thing is yeah. at this moment in time no, no uh, cinema chain is going to turn around to Disney and say if you're going to keep you know sticking your films on Disney Plus you know, 30 days, 60 days after the, they first get shown at the cinema, we're not going to show your films anymore. They, you know, they're not going to do right. that because they're going to lose things like Marvel. But mm. Unless they get into some kind of deal with them, though. That's, you know, that's the other thing. is like, you know, if it's a Disney film, the tickets are six quid, right? So you get to go mm. in the cinema for six quid. If, you, if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, right? You're a Disney Plus subscriber, you get Cine World tickets for six quid, five quid, something mm-hmm. like that. You know, and and I suppose that's the point. I mean, these are just 
pie in the sky ideas, but that's mm. kind of where we are. You know, they've the streaming model has turned the whole cinema thing on its on its head, really. And it's interesting because we went to the movies the other night and obviously we're getting into the Christmas season now, we're in the Christmas season now. Yep. But every man is shown a whole load of retro Christmas films. It's back to the future. We're back to where we were 30, 40 years ago <laughs> where films are being re-released, right? Yep. So they've got they've got Die Hard, they've got Elf, they've got, I can't remember, about half a dozen, um, Love Actually, Polar Express. You know, they've got a whole bunch of Christmas movies in, in the cinema and, and they're making an event, you, you mm. know, go and, go and see these movies in the cinema. Um, but they're having to get creative because the world has shifted in the last two, two, three years. It's, it's, and so Disney is getting, getting back to the original story, you know, Disney is caught up in the middle of this and to some extent they've created the problem, but I, I don't know what the answer is. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, that lots of people have lots of ideas, but it's going to have to play out and it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a rough ride for a lot of streaming companies. And it will just, it'll be exactly the same as, and, you know, I'm probably the only one that can, can remember this, but you know, when, when video rentals became a thing, it was mm. like, Oh my God, cinema is going to end. And all these sure. video rental chains came out, you know, of which most people probably just remember Blockbuster, but back in the early days, well, there was the independent everywhere. Ones. Yeah, video. well, there was, there was like your local little yeah, yeah. corner shop that had a, the video had a section man with the of car with the van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 what happened? They all kind of collapsed, and you don't you don't have any now. I mean, Blockbuster was the big one for a while, but then you know. That's video gone by City. The we had Video City in Liverpool. I, th I yeah. think listening to listening to everything you have said, right? I said a long time ago, and and this wouldn't. There's no one quick fix for this. So I said, put codes on cinema tickets or via the email that they send out your receipt to get you a month free Disney Plus. So if you go to buy a cinema ticket, you get Disney Plus. I and that that then get you into the ecosystem that you might not already be in. But if you're already in it, you can pass that code on. Then look what's happened with Paramount Plus this this week. So it's a brand new streaming over here. It's been out maybe two months. It's not a patch on Disney Plus, not a patch, nowhere near it. But it's got some good stuff on it. They've aggressively this, this week put it out 50% off if you buy it this week for a year. So for £34, it's a no-brainer. You're not going to miss 34 quid. You've got a year of streaming. And then, um, what was the other point? Um, oh, it was... Uh, oh, yeah, so they've signed a deal with Sky customers. So if you're a Sky customer and you've got one of the Disney Arts or Disney Cinema or whatever, you get Paramount Plus free. Where's the Disney deals? I'm not saying any one of them will save the company, but... Why aren't they being aggressive? Are they yeah, being arrogant? That's not going to. That's not going to save them. Like if they, it's not going to save them, but it'll get them out there a lot more. I don't, how could you? Disney is is only second now uh, to Netflix in terms of subscriber count across the world, and it's not even available in all countries. Like it's insane. The gr the growth they've had is unprecedented compared to every streaming service that popped up. You know, Amazon Prime. 
uh, now Paramount, Peacock, Hulu, you know, all these Hulu. all these other streaming all these other streaming companies. Them doing a deal with with Sky or anyone like that isn't isn't really going to make much of a difference because people are going to use it anyway. And also, I mean, because of how flexible Disney are, you know, I've got I, I share my account with uh, friends. I've got a couple of friends on there that wouldn't have bought themselves that were happy to share mine because you could do that with Disney. They were quite open about that. But I think the and the other thing on Strange Worlds is that. In France, it's not got a cinema release at all. And the reason why it hasn't got a cinema release is because there is, uh, like, I don't know if it's an unwritten law or whatever, but French cinemas are very different to most cinemas in, in their rules and regulations. And there is a window where films can't be streamed. So Disney have just decided not to release Strange Worlds at all. Now, that to me suggests that's because it's going to be coming to Disney Plus a lot sooner than people are expecting. To me, to me, that would be a good thing for all streaming companies. If, yeah, definitely. If that law existed everywhere, because yeah. because although although you may think that's counterintuitive, you think, well, well, no, they want to get these big movies on on streaming. Well, that's fine, right? But put it on streaming, but then you can't release it in the cinema. If you release it in the cinema, you can't put it on streaming for say six months. I mean, that's how it used to be. On TV, you know, a, a new release movie, yeah, yeah, yeah took years, and then it would be Christmas Day. It'd be like Jaws on Christmas Day. Oh my God, you know, Jaws came out like, gone us how many years before? And obviously, times times have moved on, but no, the thing is, Mister, you've you've actually exactly that was my suggestion as to what Disney need to do, and yeah. I think the and look again, go back to the beginning. This was something created because of reactions to the pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't Disney weren't the only ones. You know, Peacock did the same thing. There were films that they released on Peacock at the same time as the cinema because they knew people weren't going to be going back to the cinema. And it was a way of increasing subscribers. So I get that. We're out of that now. Right? Mm-hmm. People are starting to, you know, really in numbers. I mean, look how well Top Gun Maverick did this year. You know, look at, you know, the numbers of Doctor Strange. Um, and Thor, you know, they were both, you know, not quite up to that level, but it was still, you know, kind of pre-pandemic level. Spider-Man, last last Christmas, Spider-Man came out, and that was a bigger hit than anyone was predicting because of what had been happening during the pandemic. So people are willing to go back to the cinema, but what Disney have done is they have taught people over the last two years that mm-hmm. we are going to put films that we made for the cinema on our streaming service. I mean, Pixar had three films mm. all earmarked for cinema releases that they just dumped on Disney Plus as freebies. Not even mm. Premier Access. We are just sticking these out on our streaming service for free, gratis. We'll write those off. So people yeah. have become accustomed to that. And as I said, last year, Encanto came out of the cinema. Within three days, Disney had said... It's coming out Christmas Day. Mm. So then the box office tanked because, well, why am I going to go see the cinema now? I'll just wait another three weeks and watch it there. Disney yeah. Disney Plus has taught people, you don't need to go to the cinema to see these big budget films. Just wait a couple of weeks. They'll be on there. So what Iger, I think this, and this is what Iger really needs to do now when he you know, gets his feet back under the table, you turn around and say, we've got to stop this. 
and yeah. do that, whether it's a six month model, whether it's, I mean, so I, I know the, the, the traditional model that we were used to growing up has gone, right? It used to be what, uh, two years, Probably three years. years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah release to a, a terrestrial TV release. Mm-hmm. When yeah. Sky got introduced, Sky Cinema, that was a year, right? Mm-hmm. Normally had to wait a year from a cinema release to it coming on to Sky Movies. So yeah. that's what we kind of got used to. And then with Disney Plus, it seemed to be about six months that they were aiming for. Yeah. Six you months know. feels about right. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure the, the market research and the market research will tell them six months, I'm not going to wait, I'm going to go to the cinema. Three months, I'm going to... You know what I mean? They, they, they don't need to take a guess at it. They can do market research and figure out what, what is the sweet spot in terms of how long does it need to be exclusively in the cinema? Well, the reason yeah, why Marvel films, between... mm-hmm. the reason the reason why Marvel films have still done so well is because if you're a fan of Marvel, you can't wait six months. You can't wait three months. You yeah. want to know what's happening in that latest Marvel film and what the end credit scenes are, so you know what's coming up next. You don't want that stuff spoiled, so you're yeah. going to go and see it at a cinema. But they've they've got to recognise that that's the minority. You're right. I'm not disagreeing with you, but that's the minority. You know, the the the, the majority of films, people aren't as hooked in and invested and desperate to see the next instalment. You know, so they've got to have a model that works for a standalone film. Um, and I think you're right. I think the I think Iger's got an opportunity to to put some kind of coherent strategy behind the streaming service. So maybe there are some big budget movies that are definitely going to get a cinema release and it's going to be six, nine months before they go on Disney Plus. And then there'll be other ones where maybe the smaller movies, they'll get a cinema release, but maybe three to six months, you know, they're on they're on uh, Disney Plus. And then maybe there's other stuff that's just exclusively for Disney Plus. And, you, and probably the cost is profiled to suit that as well. Because obviously, getting getting a handle on the costs has got to be has got to be a big factor as well. Because what one of the things we've got to remember here is it's a startup business. It has grown tremendously fast. You're right; it isn't in all countries. But every time you launch in a country, you've got you've got increased costs. You know, you've got specific marketing infrastructure. You know, even even regulatory and 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 legal costs to set up in a new country. So every time you launch in a new country, it costs. Maybe they've got to slow down, you know, their their expansion and and try and make sure that they're milking the big markets and making the big markets profitable. Because it'd be interesting to know are any of the overall they're losing money, but are any other markets yet profitable if you look at them on a standalone basis? So you would kind of hope that North America would be profitable in its own right, maybe being diluted by some other countries. But I mean, obviously, we don't know that. But I think he's got an opportunity there to really kind of look at what is the strategy behind streaming and and take a take a better guess at it. And I think that's why Chappie got bent. Everything I've heard and read was that he was kind of saying, "Hey, it's a startup business. We're losing money, but it'll be okay." You know? Mm, no. <laughs> Show us the plan that we'll be okay. Don't just tell us we'll be okay. You know? And don't just go and buy a big boat. But so, when, what, what, what about, right, right, just, and I think I've said this before in the past, 
what about marrying up the experience of I don't know where your airbrush is, Gail. It was in what bag? The black bag's in the shed now. I am you talking to your imaginary friend again. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Live it? on a podcast. Right. I don't know where your brush is, babe. The bag's in the shed now. Don't get it while I'm recording a podcast. I love you. Yeah, I'm quite fond of you as well, but... Grabby cow, that. Right, so... What about like these co- combining the experience? So you've got the, the Marvel TV shows, you've got the Star Wars TV shows. What about having some of the episodes tied into you've got to go to the cinema to see them? That type of stuff at the start of a feature film or as their own things or or just putting the, the, the series out on this big screen. This stuff is made for the big screen. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is that you could argue that the I mean, you know, some of the Marvel TV shows tie into the movies. You know, that's what Miss Marvel was for. You know, it's tying into the film coming out next summer. Exactly. So, but why not, like, maybe have like the climax to Miss Marvel? You've got to go and see it on the cinema, and then it'll be on Disney Plus two weeks later. Piss people off there. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you seriously piss people off. You know, yeah, I've, but I've paid make my it money. an event. Yeah, yeah I know, you, but... you are going to get it, but you'll get it in three weeks. But the thing is, when when Disney Plus first launched, when they first announced it, and and bearing in mind that we were the test market, even though we got it late, we were the test market for Disney Plus. Right, we had Disney Life for what two or three years, Craig, before. Yeah. Disney Plus was even Fantastic a thing. product, yeah. And and the whole, you know, with with Disney Life, the whole selling point of that was the Disney back catalogue. You know, you was getting new films on there as well. But to be honest, the new films, so like the the cinema releases, were going on there about a year after they'd come out of the cinema. So it's a very slow drip down process. But when they announced Disney Plus officially, and when it was going to launch and everything like that, the main selling point was. There'll be new content for sure, but look at our rich history. Look at our vaults. Look at all the programming and look at all of the TV shows and films that you can't get anywhere else. All going to be here on one app. That was it. It wasn't sold as every month. There's going to be a hundred million dollars worth of of TV episodes or two hundred dollars, two hundred million dollars worth of of film that. You know, we would have made for the big screen, but we're going to put it out on Disney Plus. But that's what it's turned into. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we, yeah, I think we, we don't know where it's going to go, but we built the cow. We built the cow enough. This, yeah, I think so. Gone. I think you know, you could you could blue sky it for the rest of the evening, really. But I think we're all agreed that Genie Plus, uh, I'm sorry, Disney Plus. Slip of the tongue there. <laughs> Disney Plus is got to be Iger's big focus. Um, that's the part. That's the part that's hemorrhaging money. I mean, the theme parks, and obviously we're going to talk about those very, very shortly. But the theme parks at the moment are still doing well. They're still, you know, getting bookings in. The only thing that's failing there really is Galactic Star Cruiser. And that can be fixed in in a multitude of ways as well. But they're not worried about yeah. Star Cruiser. They're worried about yeah, parks. It's all the small beans. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 worried about park attendance. And, and while park attendance is is still there, 
they're not going to stress. Now we, I, I, yeah, I don't. Oh. Well, I mean, they, they might be worried about future park attendance. Hmm. I don't see that they're worried about current park attendance based on what I've seen. Oh no, I'm talking about yeah the next the next two three yeah. years, um, yeah. where you know we're already hearing reports that it's you know next year it's attendance doesn't seem to be as as busy as it has been you know the last couple Good. of years yeah for, and for various reasons as well and the, that that's where it's going to get interesting about that i mean obviously when this town hall was announced you know this twitter was all about the first thing i need to do is get rid of park reservations and his response to that today when when it was brought up was i need to speak to josh and see what he thinks about that you know, and that that is that's going to be interesting because it's obviously a very unpopular policy they've implemented, and Justin Morrow is somebody that has a huge fan base. So the fact that Bob Iger's turned around and gone, yeah, we'll go. I'll, I'll go and speak to him about that. That that's yeah. interesting because if they rescind on it, that makes them both look good. <sighs> if they don't, it, does that make yeah. Josh look like a villain? I don't know. Yeah. What's what's he done to deserve his fan base? I know the name, but what has he done? Uh, young and attractive, from what I can okay. tell. I know like he's, he's got a lovely smile. Yeah, that's that's. I think it's because, you know, obviously when you know Iger was was kind of beloved because, you know, all the things that he brought into the Disney organization during his time, and you know the, the fact that at that time guest guest satisfaction was you know really high and you know the films were well received and you know everything seemed to be kind of going quite well but when he left he was left with chapek and he was left with Josh Amaro and chapek didn't seem you know seemed to almost be the anti iger he didn't seem approachable when he was talking it was like li- listening to a robot you know, kind of like read lines off a script rather than actually feel like a human being. And look, I'm not having a go at the guy. You know, we've all got different personalities, but, you know, he wasn't very engaging. He wasn't very interesting when he was talking. It was very easy to um, not believe what he was saying or feel that he believed what he was saying was was true. Whilst Just Amaro comes from that Bob Iger score of being, you know, happy and friendly and, you know, willing to meet guests and everything like that, um, yeah. and, and be approachable. So he was the anti Chapek. Yeah, yeah, but the parks are awful. I know you're saying they're profitable and everything, that's fair enough, but it's a it's a lesser experience than what it was before the pandemic. But mm, at the same time, it's I've got still opinions on that. It's still it still definitely is. It's still Chapek though that's or that was in charge. And at the end of the day, you're looking at the, the person's in charge at the top, not the person that's in charge of parts, although that is their job. You know, it's very easy to go, oh, well, it's because Chapek said this. And to be fair, it's because quite often Chapek was saying those things. Just tomorrow wasn't trying to talk up how great Genie Plus was or why guest reservations and park hopping not going to be a thing anymore were good ideas. They were Chapek things that he said. Whether he was the one behind them or not, he was certainly the guy that was the front of them. So it was very easy to point a finger and go, well, it's Chapek doing that, not just tomorrow. I think they've got an easy win with a with a park reservation system, though, because I think the park reservation system was put in place for a specific reason at a specific time 
and we're not we're not in the same situation now. I I can't believe that the park reservation system actually gives them a lot of value now, especially now that park hoppins come back. It's right. It tells you who's in the park in the beginning of the day. Yeah. But it doesn't tell you who's going to be there after two o'clock in the afternoon. Just and they've pretty much reopened almost everything again, right? They've just reopened another couple of signature restaurants in Epcot or announced um, Takumi is going to open and Monsieur Paul's open. So once you've got everything staffed up, what does the park reservation system buy you? It doesn't really buy you anything. It was there so that they could flex resources, but it's getting to the point where they're fully resourced up. So they're not going to shut rides or shut restaurants or whatever if if one park has got fewer reservations one day than another park because they don't know who's going to park up later in the day. So I I think they'll I think they'll either just say yeah we're going to get rid of it and simplify the experience or they'll say for most of the year we'll get rid of it we'll keep it in place for the peak holiday periods. Yeah, yeah. I I I can see why. At those very busy periods, it works. We've just been at Disney Parks, and it was a frustrating experience. On that day, we did 34,000 steps. We went between them parks maybe five times. Yep. And every single time, I was challenged to um, present my annual pass before park admission. And this is at five, six o'clock at night. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it was only 30 seconds out of my life, granted, but it's a, a ball That could be done at the, at the top there at Disneyland Paris. I said this to you, Nick. We, Disneyland Paris needs to change, needs to reinvent itself. Yes, they can do one day one park tickets i get that but bundle it up make it a two-day two park experience and just have one um, admission because they're that close to each other it was frustrating and pointless it doesn't it does need to be honest i don't think it even matters with that i think the problem is is that whatever technology they you what should have happened was that you know you had your annual pass right you were using your annual pass to go in right? I was using a dated ticket. So my ticket gets scanned, it allows me in that day. Now your annual pass doesn't do that because it's not linked to the park reservation. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's where it gets, that's why it's complicated, because what they've not done is simplified. All the process needs to be is it's linked to your annual pass, so you've got to scan it once, and you're in for the day. Well, you scan it every time you go through the back doors, but... You know, I don't think the same system exists in Walt Disney World, does it? I don't. Well, you have I, to uh, you have to enter your ticket number first before you can make a park reservation. So, if you had an annual pass, no, 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 it's it's the same the same Disneyland Paris. So, like Craig, when Craig booked his his park mm-hmm. entries, it is linked to his annual park. You had to log into mm-hmm, a portal yeah. that had that. Yeah. But then, what you ended up with was your your annual pass as your ticket. And then your actual park reservation confirmation that you had to show every time. And if you don't do that, what does it want to do? That's a Disneyland Paris specific thing. Yeah. 
but that, but that's yeah, but that's that's what you know. It's, it's, it's all part are... of the same. I mean, I'm going back to Paris in February uh, for five days. I've got the first three days booked, but that's my limit. I'm an annual pass holder, but I can only get in three days next time I visit until the end of the first day when I can book the fourth day. Now, so there's a very real chance. Now, obviously, there isn't a chance, right? Because I'll get in. But the fourth day, I might get turned away. Hmm. No more space. You'll get in because you've got... No, you'll you'll get in because you've got a hotel key. That's how you will get in. Okay, yeah. But if I was staying where we stayed, for example, there's a very remote chance that I might not get in. And as a user, that experience is extremely negative. So the park reservation system, I've I've bought an annual pass that tells me that I can get in for, is it 300 days, something like that? There's a few blackout days. But what if all them days are busy? I can't get in because I didn't do my park reservation. Yeah, but the thing is, Craig, you got the cheapest pass you could, right? That's beside the point. No, no, no. That's beside the point. No, listen. I was looking to get the most expensive pass they did, and I would have been able to have also only reserved three days. Even yeah, though you could be turned away, which even is unbelievable. Though, even though the top tier pass gives you 365 days access. So there's no blackout days at all, and yet I can still only book three days at a time. If you wanted to, crazy. you should be able to go 365 days a year. Which you could before in the park reservation system came in so on that note yes it's that time again it's patreon time now if you don't know what patreon is it's a website where you can support content creators and in return get some benefits for example if you become a patreon of ours you get early release episodes of all our shows plus exclusive content you can't hear anywhere else so that's what we do and we'd love your support but these are the people that keep this show happening and if you become a patron you too can be in this roll call here we go we've got steven we've got jane and steve we've got todd we've got rob we've got breaking dad david elliott tom dave peloto I hope I've said that right, Dave. I apologise if I haven't. Uh, Kevin, Dan, Nikki, James Dowling, Crystal Dungeon, Sandy, Paul Kane, Daniel Livingston, Mel Swanick, Kate, Chris, Karen, Lee, Haley, Joseph, and Ryan. Thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully that Discord channel will be set up soon. I've got it ready to go. I've just got to figure out how to use it. But we'll, we'll get there. But if you would also like to support us, then please visit patreon.com forward slash that podcast. And if you can't remember the address, there's a handy link in the show notes below. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your continued support. Mr. D. You have recently come back, not from Disneyland yeah, Paris yeah. though, but from yeah. Orlando. Yeah, tell me about it. Tell us about it. Tell, tell the world about it. 
Okay, all right. Um, so we, it was a two-part holiday, so we won't talk too much about the first part because we actually stayed in Universal for the first six nights. Um, six people in total, five from the south of England, one from Scotland, my sister. A um, couple of things before we went. Uh, we flew from, from Gatwick, but when we booked our tickets, we were still kind of in the chaos that was COVID. And we couldn't get direct flights from Gatwick to MCO and back again. It was a crazy situation. You could get a flight from Gatwick to MCO, but you couldn't get a flight back from MCO to Gatwick. You had to get a flight back to Heathrow, and we, we really didn't want to do that. So the best that we could come up with was we, we flew from Gatwick to MCO, but we flew back from Tampa into Gatwick. So that was kind of interesting. We'll talk about that a bit later. Um, before we before we went, we flew from Gatwick. The COVID thing was was a breeze. We just had to present our um, travel pass, and that was it. It was looked at once when we checked in, and never again. We didn't have to wear masks on the plane. Uh, we used the My Lounge in Gatwick, which we've never used before. It was about thirty four quid for that. Um, I thought it was pretty decent value, really. You could get hot food, cold food, cereal. They had like small amount of like bacon, scrambled eggs, stuff like that. And that was all included um, in the price. It was all included in the price. Okay. Um, it's quite a nice lounge. I mean, I don't know what it would be like if it was really busy. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't be such a good experience. But the day that we went, it was relatively quiet. Um, it was probably like twenty five percent full, I would say. And they got things like, you know, they got a PlayStation in there and a foosball table and you can look across the runway. They got a sort of limited view across the runway. Um, alcoholic drinks, non-alcoholic drinks, um, you know, decent selection. Not huge, extensive selection, but decent as much as you want. So if you want to get totally smashed before your flight, you can do that. Um, so not bad. There's a couple of lounges like it, um, but we, we went in the My Lounge and I think that's the cheapest of the... Like I said, it was 34 quid ahead. You're allowed three hours before takeoff, which is a bit of a swizz, really, because obviously you have to be at the gate at least half an hour before takeoff. So so really you get kind of two, two and a half hours. So our flight was 11. We could get in from eight, but we had to leave about quarter past 10 to get to the gate. So we had, we had about two and a bit hours in there. But that was enough time, really. And it was just quite chilled. It was nice, nice couches. You know, the main airport is is good fun. We like the main airport normally, but it can be really busy. And especially since COVID, there's been huge queues for everywhere. I mean, even like Pret and Starbucks and things like that, massive queues. So this was quite nice. Uh, so we enjoyed that. Um, we flew with BA. Um, it was a new plane. I think it was a 777. It was quite nice. Uh, good good selection of movies. In fact, I watched Black Phone, which was one of the Halloween Horror Nights movies. So that was quite good. I'd never seen it before. The food was fairly basic, uh, but it was okay. Well, I, The food going out was okay. The food coming back was not great. Um, but when we arrived, we arrived into the new terminal, Terminal C. So that was kind of interesting. Um, again, when we arrived, 
you didn't seem that busy. Uh, you taxi for quite a long time when you land because uh, you've got a, you've got. I think there's a like a a waterway that um, they've built across the top of, so you've got to taxi across that to the big terminal. It's a nice terminal. It's all brand new. It's quite spacious, you know, um, quite airy, uh, nicely decorated. There's a nice um, mosaic on the floor, which kind of represents Florida. They've got these fake trees. So it's they've tried to tried to make it look a bit interesting. Um, but you pick up your bags first, so it's a little bit different from the other terminals. So, so you come straight in a big arrivals hall. There's a carousel there. You wait for your bag. You pick up your bag. And then right beside that, is immigration and customs so you go through immigration and customs and then you're straight out of that door into the arrivals hall and if you're not picking up a car so we didn't have a hire car at that point we we used a town car for the first time and it was fantastic and i'll, I'll talk about the town car company in a minute but everything is on the same level so you come into the arrivals hall pick up your bag go through passport control straight out into the arrivals hall, straight through the arrivals hall at the front door and the town car was waiting for us and gone. So it was a really easy experience. Now, I know that one of our listeners, Daniel, said he had a nightmare, but he didn't ask them specifically what problems did he have in the new terminal and he, he, he didn't respond. So I don't know what issues he had there, but I can only talk about our experience and it was it was easy and quick, but it wasn't super busy. It was only really your flight, I think, that, that was there at that point in time. Um, and I can't talk about, like, picking up a hire car or anything like that. I'm not quite sure if you can get a hire car in Terminal C or whether you need to transfer to one of the other terminals, A or B, to get the hire cars in the places where you used to get them before. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if, if any of you guys have heard, but um, it was uh, it was all pretty easy. Um, like I say, we used a town car, a company that was recommended on some of the DIS boards and um, the DEB. It was a company called Anthony Hines. We used them three times, I think. They took us from the airport to Universal, then from Universal to Disney, and then from Disney back to Tampa. And really good really reliable communicated on whatsapp um so you know driver would tell you i'm here i'm at the front um he was always on time we did a grocery stop on the way from the airport to uh, universal so we just got some some basic stuff some beers some milk some cereal things like that um some fruit so just to just to um, clarify so you didn't have yep. a higher car at all during your break we did we did, but only only for two days. Right. Right. So we took we took town car basically from the airport to the hotel and then from Universal to Disney and then from Disney to Tampa. Um, we used Uber a couple of times and we hired a car while we were at Universal for a day out. So we're not really talking about Universal on this episode, but I can talk about that experience. We actually hired it from Cabana Bay. Um and 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 you know, while we were at Cabana Bay, so picked it up and dropped it off at Cabana Bay. Pretty painless really. Nice. Um yeah. So the town car experience was good. I'd definitely use that again. Um flying back out of Tampa, 
was it is a longer drive. Um, it must have taken us just over an hour, and traffic was quite bad. Even though it was kind of later on on a Saturday, um, it was still it was still quite a long drive. Um, but actually, when we got to Tampa itself, it was it was fine. It's a big modern airport. Uh, we didn't have any problems checking in or getting through security. In fact, security seemed a bit more relaxed than, not relaxed, but they, they were more friendly. They were kind of joking and, you know, a little bit more kind of um, casual, if you like. Um, and then there were some, some pretty decent food options and things like that. So flying out of Tampa wasn't an issue if anybody's thinking about it, but you do have to allow quite a bit more time to get, to the airport and you've got to factor in if there's a problem on the I-4, I think it's the I-4 roll away, can't remember, but that main road that goes from Orlando to Tampa, mm. you know, it, it is a pretty busy road. It's like a motorway in the UK and, and if there are accidents or roadworks, it can slow things up a bit. We got held up maybe 20 minutes, but we'd allowed loads of time, so it wasn't really an issue. But yeah, flying out of Tampa was, was fine. By the time we actually flew, they'd put on all the flights back on again. So there was a mm. flight back to Gatwick. So you can go to and from Gatwick now. But at that point in time, there just wasn't. So that was the only option we had. Um, so when we transferred then, we had six days in Universal and we then transferred to the Poly. And this was our first Polynesian stay. This was our first DVC stay. So during COVID, we had bought into DVC and we had booked ourselves a studio at the poly and they've only got studios at the poly at the minute the new building which is going up will have a wider range of dvc accommodations i think they'll have one beds and probably two beds and grand villas i don't think anybody really knows for sure what it's going to be but at the minute there are three buildings that are just dvc and they're all studios but they're very very nice studios so we had two studios myself kerry my wife and my youngest daughter were in one and then my eldest daughter and her husband were in were in the other. Um, really nice, big, big, big rooms. Um, two bathrooms. So you've got one bathroom which has got a, a a bath with a shower, and then there's a toilet and a sink. And then next door to that, there's another bathroom which has just got a shower and a, and a sink. Um, but two decent sized bathrooms, only one toilet though. And then you've got a little kitchen area where you've got a, a decent sized fridge, microwave, coffee maker, toaster, and they give you paper plates and cups and plastic knives and forks and things like that. You've got all the usual stuff, wardrobe, iron and board, etc. In the in the kind of bedroom area, which is quite big, you've got a queen size bed. And then you've got one of these Murphy double or queen size Murphy beds. They're they're awesome. They're so clever. It's a it's a couch. And then you just pull the thing down and it immediately converts into a bed and it's a comfortable bed. It's a proper mattress on it. It's not one of these little thin things that you used to get on the pull-out sofas. Um, and it's so easy to put it back up again. Um, you've got a little table and chairs, usual TV and all of that, big, massive TV. And then you've got a balcony with a small table and two chairs so you can sit up on your balcony and, and watch things happening outside. So really happy with the with the rooms fairly recently redecorated they got a soft uh soft goods redecoration um in the last sort of year 18 months i think 
Um, checking in was just like checking in normally. I mean, there was an online check-in option, but it didn't seem to want to work. I don't know if it was because I was UK. And generally, they struggled with UK phone numbers, which is just incredible, really. And it wasn't just Disney. It was Universal as well, and even some other places, some non-Disney places. You know, they, oh, they just can't handle a UK phone number. I tried, to, I tried to use... Uh, I think it might have been DoorDash when I was mm-hmm. in Canada, and I couldn't use DoorDash yeah. because I had a UK, I only had a UK number, and I was like, yeah, you know, you had to put the address in a way you was going, you know, where you wanted it delivered to, and all, you know, and so everything was yeah. like spot on. But because I didn't have a, yeah. a, a Canadian number, they're like, oh no, we can't, we can't send you out food. I'm like, I can pay. Like it, it, it amazes me that that's the sticking point. <laughs> I can download I the app. I didn't know. <laughs> but I, can't I didn't know it. if it was a cost issue. I wasn't sure if it was a cost issue that they that they could do it, but they didn't want to because obviously, if they text you to tell you, like we we went to Gideon's the cookie place, right, and you mm. join a virtual queue, and they text you to tell you that you can come back and get in the get in the shop, but because it was a UK number, they said, "Oh no, just come back in thirty minutes or forty five minutes or whatever That's it mad. is." Um, but is it because if they text you, they're actually texting a UK number and it costs them money? I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I, I mean, it shouldn't do because once you're in the location... Just use WhatsApp, is they? Well, yeah, but it just once you're in the location, like once you're in the country, you're in mm. the country, so it's a local number. So I think I yeah. think it comes down to a bit like what we were talking about Disneyland Paris where they've just implemented a system which hasn't really been finished off, off properly. I think because mm. it only lets you put in one yeah. you know a number with a an 001 dialing code that's that's yeah. all it is if they let you t- put in a different dialing code it would work yeah. you know yeah so, and also mm-hmm. as well like you know because I, I booked um ubers while i was out there no problems because everything's done in the app they don't message yeah. you they uber don't was, call you yeah they just they, everything's done in the app. Lyft. yeah uber was fine lyft was fine that wasn't an issue mm. it's only when they want your your number and i think i think i don't think they're using whatsapp then to tell you that your table's ready or you can come back to gideon's or your room's ready that was that was the first time we hit it when we checked in they said you said your room isn't quite ready yet we'll text you what's your number and i said it's a uk number and they're like oh no can't do that um <laughs> we'll just email you which was fine it was all fine i got an email but or actually no it was in the app that's it they said just just check your my disney experience app so i got a notification from the app to say you know, you've got a message, and then I went in. And it told me my room number, so that that was all fine. But it just seems weird, and I just I didn't know if it was a technical issue or whether it was just a cost issue, and they decided not not going to do this. If they can but do it anyway. in the app, if they can do it in the app, mm. they can do it. So that You'd is just so. that's lazy programming, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, but like I say, it wasn't just Disney. It was it was pretty much everybody we came across. You yeah, know, anybody that used a a phone to notify you. As soon as you said it was a UK number, they're like, ah, no. Anyway, um, loved the Polynesian. Thought it was it was just awesome. I mean, the communal areas, the pool, the volcano pool, which is the main pool. We didn't actually go in it in terms of we were in the area. We sat around it, but we didn't actually swim in it. But there's a quiet pool um, right beside the DVC buildings that we used. It's got it's got a bar there. There's a refill station for your refillable mugs. Uh, you can get food there, burgers and 
fish sandwiches and all sorts of things. It was it was it was good. Um, so we absolutely loved the resort. Um, just awesome. And being the main thing about it is just where it is really. I mean the the the, the, the whole kind of feel of the Polynesian is great. You know, at night it's dark, but they've got the little tiki torches glowing not particularly environmentally friendly but you know these little gas tiki torches going and you know you can watch the fireworks from the beach which is which is just awesome i mean the view is spectacular i watched the christmas fireworks uh, for the christmas party and they pipe in the music and you're literally stood there on the beach in the castle straight ahead of you and you've got monorails you know little monorails going by and little ferry boats and things like that it's just great so 100 percent on the location I mean, to the Magic Kingdom on Epcot was a doddle. Magic Kingdom, you got so many options. You got monorail. You can actually walk now if you're if you're crazy enough because they put that footpath in by the Grand Floridian. You got the little resort launch, but the easiest thing is just walk to the TTC. It's literally a five minute walk from the from the poly, and then you can get the big ferry boat across to the Magic Kingdom, or you can jump straight on a monorail either to the Magic Kingdom or to Epcot. So. It is really easy from that point of view. And everywhere else is buses then if you want to go to Disney Springs or if you want to go to Animal Kingdom or MGM, then it's it's a bus, which we didn't have any any real options with the buses, I've got to say. It was it was easy enough. The only one that I've noticed is a bit different is if you want to go to the water parks, and the only water park that was open was Typhoon Lagoon. So I don't know if this is always like this, but when we were there, um, the bus from Typhoon Lagoon, if you wanted to go back to your resort, the bus from Typhoon Lagoon went to Disney Springs. That's right. And yeah. it dropped you at a big bus stop. And yeah. then you have to transfer then to a Polynesian bus. That didn't used to be how it was. It used to double up with another park. So Typhoon Lagoon would double up with the studios, I think. And uh, Blizzard Beach would double up with the Animal Kingdom. So you'd go from your resort to the Animal Kingdom, then to the uh, Blizzard Beach, and then back to your resort again. So I'm sure, like I'm sure the last time I did it, which obviously would have been a mm. long time ago now, um, I yeah. ended up in like Portal Lanes, I think. I definitely went to Portal Lanes on like one day, and it wasn't because I'd got a bus to Portal Lanes, it was because that's where I got dropped mm. off. And it was okay. from one of the water yeah. parks. But I, I don't know, maybe it's because yeah. it was out of season or something, I don't know. Yeah. So that's how it is right now. Blizzard Beach literally opened the day that we came back. So we didn't we didn't go to Blizzard Beach, but we did go to Typhoon Lagoon. Um so yeah, love the poly. Got nothing bad to say about it at all. Um really ah well, well, okay. I haven't got anything bad to say about it, but there is one thing that did sort of it just seems weird. So Trader Sam's, right? Everybody knows. Trader Sam's, it's a bar, it's a, it's a tiki bar. It's very popular. It's got, it's all themed and things happen if you order certain drinks. So it's quite interactive, uh, but it is quite small. Um, it opens at three in the afternoon, right? And it's open until quite late. But the weird thing about it is they start accepting uh, waitlist names from about two. Um, and so about two o'clock, the door opens and a cast member comes out with an iPad and there's already a queue formed. Every day we were there, there was a queue. So from from sort of one to one thirty, people start to queue up. And then two o'clock, cast member comes out and you give them your name. 
and your phone number. And if it's a UK phone number, good luck. But you give them your name and um, they they basically message you when it's when you it's time for you to go back and go in to, to trade a Sam's. And I think you can stay in there as long as you like. So it's kind of weird, really. Um, there were a couple of nights. There was one night that I went to the door and asked them, I said, you got any availability? And they said, well, not at the minute, but we can get you in in about 10 minutes. And I thought, oh, okay. And I, it was quite early on the holiday. So I messaged um, Kerry and everybody else, but they wanted to go and eat. So by the time we'd finished eating, it was late. And we said, oh, we'll, we'll just do another night. Well, then it got busy because it was the wine and dine race weekend. Oh boy, that's it. I mean, forget it. You know, you just, you just can't get in there for love nor money. And it's, and it's weird. Like, you know, who, who's going to come and queue up at one thirty when they're in the parks or whatever, you know, it just, it, sh it should be a virtual queue system. I don't, understand why they wouldn't implement a proper virtual queue system you know like at two o'clock it opens and you you sign up for your slot and that's it but then when you get your slot you you you've got to be there to have to physically be there in the resort at two o'clock or three o'clock or whatever to later on to get in at like eight o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night it means you've got to basically be spending the whole day in the resort pretty much which is just a bit odd, and there's no priority for hotel guests, right? It's literally just first come, first serve. You don't even need to be staying in a Disney hotel. So long as you're there on time, you know, and you queue up and you you get your name on that list, then you'll get in. So it's, you know, it's a small thing, but if you're going to go to the Polynesian, or even if you're not going to go to the Polynesian, if you want to go to Trader Sam's, you've got to know that it, it gets busy and your best chance of getting in there is to be there like one o'clock, half past one and queue up and wait and get on that list and get in relatively early. Um, and that your second best chance is to just try and go maybe on a weeknight, on a quiet night, if there is such a thing. But even on a quiet night, you know, you, you might not get in until very, very late. So that was, that was the only slight frustration we had with the resort. Other than that, you know, it was awesome. Got nothing bad to say about it at all, really. Um, you guys ever been in Trader Sam's? No, I couldn't get in. It was too small. Yeah. Yeah, it's literally, it's like, it was empty. It was empty, but Craig couldn't get mm. through the door. Couldn't it was too, door. too small for him. Mm. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never been, uh, wanted to, hoped on a, on a return trip that I would, but, uh, not had the, the chances yet, yeah. which reminds, you know, you bring that up, um, Trader, Trader Sam's is Vicks. going in London. Trader Vicks. Trader Vicks, even, yeah. Yeah. It's mm. going in London uh, next month. Mm. They've just announced all of a sudden, which is where yeah. um, I, I met uh, Amber and her husband, yeah, who's right. a Trader Vicks, and uh, yeah, had a very uh, fun, drunken night in there. It's great. Yeah. Always <laughs> wanted to go back and never got a chance to. Yeah. Trying to convince Mr. Ripley to, uh, we can record a podcast in there if he wants. Uh, yeah, closes, but um, yeah, it's just 59 years, months away yeah, from the sixth anniversary yeah. as well. Shocking, but uh, that's the yeah. closest uh, to uh, Trader Sam's that I've got to is Trader Vicks. Yeah, you can get you can get the drinks. They've got a terrace as well, so as long as as long as it isn't chucking it down, um, you, there's like a hatch. You can order 
the same drinks, but it doesn't give you the the full experience. No. I mean, you know, you, you can get the drinks, but if you want to get inside Trader Sam's, you've got to you've got to sort of plan it a little bit. Um, yeah. But you know, small small uh, thing that was really. Um, what else then? So um, we use Genie Plus. So we. When we bought our tickets, we we took the deal where you could have Genie Plus for the the whole length of the ticket. So we had a fourteen sure. day ticket. Um, so we used Genie Plus for the first time. We we'd set everybody up on my phone on the app. So we'd preset up the group. Um, I gotta say it was it was very easy to use it. I mean, I'd watched a lot of videos, so I kind of understood the principles of you know you what time can you be on there at. And what can you get for for Genie Plus and for the individual attraction selection? Um, but it was it was pretty easy to use. Um, there were a few sort of there were a few kind of nuances to it, um, really. You know, I did a bit of stacking where you can you can have multiple Genie Pluses if they're later in the day. You know, you can stack them up, um, but you you've got to be careful because I I wanted to we we couldn't make one of them so I wanted to modify one of them and it but it wasn't the last one I'd made it was I had three I think and it was the middle one and there were times available I could have slid and what I wanted to do was just slide it a little bit further in the future but you have to cancel it and then rebook it and when I cancelled it because it wasn't the last one that I'd booked it just that's it you just lose it so. You can you can modify your last one, but you can't modify anything before your last one if you've got a couple stacked up. So, just little things like that we learned. But by and large, it was it was really easy. Um, my sister didn't have one of those fourteen day Genie Plus tickets, so on the days that she wanted Genie Plus, um, I had to I had to buy it for her um, because I was booking stuff for the group. I was booking the first Genie Plus for the group. And it was easy. I mean, it, you know, it, it does piss me off that you can only buy Genie Plus on the day after midnight. Now, that's just crazy. It should be 24 hours. You know, it should be the day before. Um, it should be 60 days. Or, or whatever. Yeah, it should, I mean, I understand why they're doing it. They're limiting the number of people that can buy it, and it's to try and control the numbers. And we'll come back to crowds in a minute, but... I understand why they've done it, but it should be like 24 hours before. It shouldn't be the day of because you've either got to stay up until after midnight, but that's crazy unless you happen to be up after midnight or you do what, what I did, which is you just get up a few minutes early and buy Genie Plus. And it was very, very easy because it already knows who's in your party and it already knows they don't have Genie Plus. So there is literally a button there that says, do you want to buy Genie Plus for this person? You just go, yes, Apple Pay, done. And then you can and then you can book your first genie plus at seven o'clock. Uh, so it wasn't difficult. Um, I didn't spend as much time on my phone as I thought I might do. In fact, I was using it for checking wait times rather than genie plus. And I was done that before genie plus, right? Because you could check wait times on the app or on touring plans app. So I didn't really spend a lot of extra time on the phone with genie plus because once you booked your genie plus. You can't book another one for two hours or whenever you check into the one you've just booked, whichever comes first, just like the old fast pass rules. It's exactly the same as the old paper-based fast pass, really. 
Um, so once you've booked it, you know, there's no point in checking your phone because you can't book another one for two hours. And it tells you when your next one, when you can book your next one. Um, so, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It was generally pretty good. Wi-Fi in the parks was mostly okay. Um, I had trouble one day in the Magic Kingdom, which was kind of weird because it had been okay the day before. And then there was just one day where it, it just wouldn't have it for some reason. And then the next day it was fine again. Um, but generally, Genie Plus and using the My Disney Experience app, it, it wasn't much of an issue. We did book the boarding group for Guardians of the Galaxy. And you've got to book that at 7 o'clock or uh, 1 o'clock. That's the two boarding groups. And, oh, boy, does that go fast. I mean, the popular rides in each of the parks, if you don't get on there at 7 o'clock, you know, within seconds, you're, you're up to much later in the day. Um, and Guardians of the Galaxy, within seconds, it's gone if you don't get on there at 7. So what we actually did was I was on the app waiting to hit refresh at, like, 1 minute to 7. And Heather was on her phone, and she had the world clock with settings, and she did a countdown. So she's like, three, two, one. I hit refresh, and I got a boarding group every time. So top tip. <clears throat> but even when I got that boarding group, it might be like 12.30. So this is this is like one second past seven, and they're already up to a boarding, a boarding group of 12.30 or 1.30 or 2.30. It just goes crazy fast. Wow. Um, the popular rides were in the in the Magic Kingdom. It was uh, the Jungle Cruise or the Jingle Cruise, in fact, is what it is, and Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. That was the Magic Kingdom. Those were the ones that that filled up really fast on Genie Plus, and uh, well, actually, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train isn't Genie Plus; it's individual attraction. But those are the ones that that went really fast. In Epcot, it was Remy, Frozen, and Test Track. Animal Kingdom, it was Expedition Everest. It wasn't it wasn't so, quite so clear on on Animal Kingdom. It was somewhere between Expedition Everest, Narnia, the River, the River Adventure, the Safari, and Dino, Dinosaur. Mm. They, they didn't Animal Kingdom didn't seem to fill up quite as fast as some of the others. On the studios, it was definitely Slinky Dog and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Those were the ones that, that would go fast. Um so we we did ride Guardians of the Galaxy. I think we rode it three times. Um, we were lucky enough to get three different songs. We got Blondie, wow. we got Flock of Seagulls, and we got uh, September. Uh, nice. Right. And I got to tell you, it is freaking awesome. Right. It is a stunning attraction absolutely they've absolutely smashed it i mean you know hands down highlight best ride in epcot one of, if not the best ride in Walt disney world it's right up there i mean it's it's tough because there's probably two others that come close in terms of just wow factor but guardians awesome really really top class it's interesting because not going to talk about it now but me and Craig did Flight Force when we went to Disneyland Paris, which mm -hmm. seems to have tried to do a similar thing with the mm -hmm. screens. Obviously, it's a completely yeah. different attraction, 
and yep. it really doesn't work unless you're kind of mm. sitting near the front. Um, yeah. And we we actually did it front row, um, mm-hmm. and it was much better than the time before when we was probably somewhere near the middle. And it just yeah. doesn't doesn't seem to work. So mm-hmm. it, it, obviously this, this is like what they're trying to go for now, and it's clear yeah. from what everyone said about Guardians how well it works. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how they fix it in Disneyland Paris because obviously, you know, it's rock and roller coaster. So you know what that attraction is yeah. like. You know how quick it is. So how yeah. do you get the screens to to work in the same way that you can with Guardians? But nah, it's clear that they can get it to, you know, they've got it to work on at least one attraction. So fair play. Yeah, but that, that building is enormous. It's, it would be interesting to see it with the lights on because... It, it seems huge. I mean, it, it looks huge from the outside, but even when you're in it, it seems like an enormous space you're in. And, you know, I, if you don't have that kind of space, I, I don't know. I don't know how it would work. But, yeah, 10 out of 10. I mean, you've absolutely smashed it. You you know, you can criticise Disney for taking a long time with, with attractions and, and all of that. But um, in this case, even though... You know, I, I rode it with my, um, when my daughter was there, was when Ellen's Energy Adventure actually shut down. Mm. So she got me a farewell T-shirt to Ellen's Energy Adventure and the great movie, right? So the first time I rode Guardians, I wore that T-shirt. Excellent. Uh, and the first time I rode Mickey and Minnie's, I wore my great movie, right? Um, mm. That's a wrap T-shirt. Mm. And it was amazing the number of cast members who commented on it, right? Because a lot of the cast members had previously worked particularly on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, the number of cast members who said, oh, what a T-shirt, and, you know, we, we had conversations and things like that. It was it was awesome. Um, but, yeah, absolutely smashed it. Yeah, so I was trying to, get Craig to, um, trying to get Craig to buy the Farewell Planet Hollywood T-shirt from Disneyland <laughs> Paris, but he wasn't having it, so. No? Yeah. I can't imagine why. <laughs> I've got toilet paper coming up my arse. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yes, Mickey and Minnie's. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. No, I, I hadn't. I, I never watch POV videos or spoiler videos or whatever. So hadn't seen anything on Guardians. Hadn't seen anything on Mickey and Minnie's. Hadn't seen anything on Rise of the Resistance. Hadn't seen anything on Ratatouille. And last time we were in Disneyland Paris, they were almost finished Ratatouille, so we'd never ridden it. Um, Bloody hell, you ain't been there in years then. No, I know. I think it was <laughs> two thousand and ten, maybe. Uh, um, it opened up, I want to say, 2011 or 12. So, yeah. Yeah, so that'd be right. They'd, I remember that seeing the fa- the facade, but it was all behind. They had, like, hoardings up, and but That's you could right. see the facade behind it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard good things about Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway, so my expectations are high. Um, I've got to say I was, I was disappointed, really. Uh, it was like a bit shit. Well... <sighs> Some of it is good. I mean, here's the thing, right? If if they hadn't replaced the great movie ride with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and they just built Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, I'd be a lot happier for two reasons, right? The first reason is the obvious one, that I love the great movie ride. Yeah. And it's a studio park. It should have a great movie ride. Absolutely. So, and especially what, I mean, we talked about Disney streaming to death a minute ago you know what a fantastic opportunity to promote disney plus i mean you know it's just great you could have a section at the end where you constantly yeah yeah, because you could have a section at the end 
So you could re you could you could gut it. You could keep some of the iconic scenes like the Wizard of Oz, but most of it you could gut and you could oh, put in all movies from the catalogue. But then at the end you could have something flexible like they did. They had a they had a scene at the end which was all clips of movies. You could have stuff there that that pointed you to Disney Plus, you know. No, so what anyway, I was going, whether, what I was going to say was... was, what I was going to say was, not that I, I don't disagree because I'm obviously a big fan of the, uh, the great movie ride as well. But mm. what I was actually disagreeing with is the fact it's still called Studios because it's so yeah. far past what it was now. And you got to remember, like yeah. when that park opened up as MGM, it literally uh-huh. was a working studio. They didn't oh, yeah, do yeah. much yeah, there, sure. but they but they filmed yeah. productions. But yeah. that park now yeah. is not a studio park. The fact they call it Studios is really misleading yeah. because the whole what it's about or what it was supposed to be about no longer exists. Yeah. So I don't think it, it need yeah. like I don't think what what whilst I did love the Ryan, yes, I was sad to see it go. I don't yeah. think it really fits in with what the studios are anymore. I don't even think they should be called studios anymore. Just call the whole right. theme park Disney Plus. Well no, I think do. I think it's I think it's a studio. I think you call it a studios because I think the whole Disney park Plus studios should be a tribute to movies and TV, and and to some extent it is not as much as it used to be. I agree. I mean, the Disney's idea Hollywoodland. Of a, just quite Disney's Hollywoodland. Whatever, but I mean, you know, you've got Man's Chinese Theater as the icon for the park. Um, everything in there is movie or TV themed, mainly Disney movies and TVs, but that's okay. Tower of Terror is Twilight, but you know, but it, you know, the icon of the park was a great movie ride inside Man's Chinese Theatre. They've, they've taken that away and they've replaced it with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Now, I said there was two reasons. So the first reason is yeah. they didn't they didn't need to gut the great movie ride sure. the way they did. They should have redone it as the great movie ride, but but completely refreshed it apart from, I would say, apart from the Wizard of Oz scene. That, that scene was just amazing and they should have kept that and, and changed everything else. And they could have used it as an advert for Disney+, Plus, but that was just like an extra bonus. But the other problem is what they've done is they've fitted Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway in the existing building mm. that they had. And 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 I think that's part of the problem. That building is massive, right? It's a huge building. It's a bit like a, we're talking a minute ago about Guardians of the Galaxy. But it wasn't built for the kind of attraction they've put in there. So it feels really empty. Uh, uh, it, it, it just... You know that you're in a building that wasn't built for that ride. It would almost have been better if they'd closed in the walls and, and reduced the space. And they could have done that. Um, but they've gone for they've gone for using the space and it's just I'm not saying it's a bad ride. It isn't a bad ride, but it's it's just not a great ride for what it is, for the size of it and the scale of it. It's a bit chaotic. Some bits are good and work well, other bits are not quite so good. I, see, I, I just love, was disappointed. And see, we were I all disappointed. None of us thought it was great. Yes. Which, yeah, yeah, and yeah it's, I like it the, was the great. It was the great movie, right? Um, yeah. yeah I, do you know what I think the compromise would have been? I mm-hmm. think what... And, and I mean, this was an idea that was proposed for the Muppets years before, is that they did the great movie ride with Mickey and Friends. So what they did is yeah. they had, you know... So, you know, Goofy was doing Singing in the Rain, for example. Yeah. And you know, it could, yeah, you know, that that would, but... but if you're not going to have the great movie ride, yeah, 
Yeah. Then that's yeah, that's could, the kind of that's the kind of in between, right? And I do sure. think I do think the big the big problem, especially for people like us, is that mm-hmm. we will always view that building or know what was in that building. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. I th- and I think that's it. If they hadn't of you know kept the facade and everything like that, and they'd made it a brand new attraction, even if they'd kept everything inside the same, but yeah. just made the, the building look different, I think that would have also help change some perceptions but the fact that they basically made it look the same thing and have used mm. like you know the same vehicles and stuff but yeah just change the, the story and everything is is the problem but yeah yeah no i mean anyway i none of us were super impressed by it and and that was interesting because you know six people none of us done it before I'd already said, hey, I've had good things about this. We did it twice. Um, and we're all like, yeah, it was okay. And and then the funny thing was we did Ratatouille and we thought mm. Ratatouille was a much better attraction. And and it's kind of similar. You know, it uses the, the guided vehicles. No spoilers, but it uses the guided vehicles. And it is kind of similar. But Ratatouille is a much better attraction. That's interesting. I don't hear many people have that opinion. So it's interesting that you you did. And I do and I do wonder how much of that is skewed because of what you know. Mm. But regardless I'm trying to be objective and I, I you know and you know again everybody liked Ratatouille better than Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I think I think Mickey and Minnie's is one of these things where people go, Oh wow. And then when they reread it again, they're like, Yeah. It's okay. I, I predict that the cues for Mickey and Minnie's, it, I, I don't think it will be like a Slinky Dog or a Toy Story Midway Mania or anything like that. I think in a couple of years, it will be a 15, 20-minute walk-on. I don't know. It, it, what What's going to be interesting with that is that, you know, obviously the great movie ride was really a ride for, for us. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, for people that loved cinema. Now, for yeah. years, I mean, the last time I, I got to go on it was 2010. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that ride was constantly a walk on. There was never any cues for it or anything right. like that. No one yeah. thing to really care. They've stuck Mickey and Minnie in there. There is no other attraction or no ride with Mickey and Minnie. Mm-hmm. Full stop. I know, but I think only Disney cares about that. I don't think. Oh no, I don't think your average I, theme park fan cares about that. I, yeah, your average theme park fan, you're absolutely right. But families. I think that's mm. what the difference is between these two things. The Great Movie Ride was a feel, was a was an attraction that kids, when they got off, probably yeah. enjoyed it. But there was no one that was going, oh, "I want to go on that first. Whilst if you see yeah. Mickey and Minnie have got an attraction, you want to go on that attraction. So sure. I I think you know for something that's aimed at a, a different kind of core audience, and and again mm-hmm. as well, the other thing as well, this is based on those shorts, which yes, we mm. said that we like, but these yeah. are the shorts for the kids growing up now, not, you know, we grew up with different shorts. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's aimed at a completely different demographic. So I think it may yeah. have more longevity than we think, but purely because we're not the be. target for yeah. it. But yeah, as you sure. say, time will tell, time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might be right. You know, I think it will be, I think it will remain popular. I just don't think it's, it's going to be the big smash you know that that Disney hope it's going to be in the in the long term, um, but there you go. So those were the main uh, new raids 
that we that we had hit. Um, so Guardians of the Galaxy, Remy. Um, did you do Rise? Ah, yes. Okay, so we did uh, early Magickers for Rise, and it was really early because if you watch a lot of the vlogs, they'll tell you that they actually run Rise of the Resistance even before they start the advertised time for early magic hours. So when we were there, normal park opening was 8.30, extra magic hours started at eight, but we were at the gate for 7.30 and they let us in about 7.45. Everybody right. went straight for Rise of the Resistance. And we'd been checking the app and, you know, just to see if there was anything on the app, there's nothing on the app. And, oh, by the way, well, I've come back to that, right? So we 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 head straight through the park, and we're just passing by Muppets 3D Vision on the left. So you've got the tunnel that takes you into Batu straight ahead of you, mm -hmm. and there's a cast member there dressed in Batu costume, and as as these thousands of people are fleeing past this cast member heading for Rise of the Resistance, she's calling out in quite a wimpy voice. Oh, there's a disturbance. There's been a disturbance in the force. Yes, there's been a disturbance in the force. So as I'm going past her, I'm thinking, what What does that mean? Does that mean, what does that mean? Does that mean the ride's done? Anyway, the ride was done. That's what that meant, right? I, 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 I just meant. say, no, it's down. Craig, exactly. They can't. Yeah, they can't. Was, it, they can't. Yeah, that's, no. the, that's the problem. Like, it's nonsense, looked, right? It's complete nonsense. You've, you've yeah. Yeah. yet. Yeah. They can, they should, but you know, they don't. Wizard Save Me Butterbeer asked me if I'd been to Halloween Horror Nights the night before. So we yeah, didn't can. Yeah, but Craig, yeah. what went like like I've told my story before when my card wouldn't work because they had to swipe it and I had swipe yeah, yeah, yeah. disabled. They don't mm -hmm. talk to you in English, they talk to you in Star yeah. Wars Ease, and it's stupid yeah. and annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Anyway, we 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 get we get past her, we get to the actual raid and the ton of people. It's like, no, nope, you can't even go in and queue up. Um, can't tell you how long it's going to be. The raid is down, you know. Um, so we're like, right, okay. So I go into theme park action mode. I'm like, right, guys, we're going to Slinky. So we leg it to Slinky. We get to Slinky. We get in the queue, and it's quite a short queue. We're about maybe 75 people back from the front of Slinky because they haven't even opened the raid yet. So the queue is actually started just at the just at the entrance to the raid. You can see the start of the queue. And there's a whole bunch of cast members there. So we're in the queue. They then open the raid and the queue starts going in really fast because we're only 75 people back. So in, in two minutes' time, we're going to be on Slinky. Just at that point, Heather says, Rise of the Resistance is open. It's just come up on the app. We're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> what do we do? So I said, let's go. So we legged it back to Rise of the Resistance. We get to Rise of the Resistance. It goes down again. We've not, we've not left the queue. There's 7 million people in the queue for Slinky now behind us. And Rise of the Resistance is down. And, you know, I, 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 it just so happened that the guy, there was a whole bunch of cast members, and the guy who was right in front of me was some kind of supervisor guy. And I just said, hey, you know, this is what's happened. I've came, I came here. He said it was down. I went there. I was in the queue. It came up on the app. I came back here. Now, if I go back there, you know, we're going to be waiting an hour and a half. And he took me to one side and he said, come here a minute. And I thought, yes, he's going to give us, he's going to give us like a, a, 
like an individual attraction selection to come back and ride, rise of the resistance, you know? No. And they Give just the they do they do not do that, right? They I'm I'm convinced they never ever will do that, right? What he did do was he gave us a genie plus, an extra genie plus for Slinky Dog because we lost our spot, right? But honest to God, you you could see literally hundreds of people watching us talking to this cast member and they were all crowding around they're like what's he getting what's he getting can i get one what is it are you getting on ride of the resistance you know it was it was like a feeding frenzy and the guy had to break away from what he was doing with us on his ipad and get other cast members to put a cordon around the area and push everybody back they were they were just gone bananas to try and get on rise of the resistance anyway every time we tried to get on it it was down Here's what I gotta say about Rise of Resistance. It's ridiculous. It it should be a virtual queue, right? Because you could be like us, you could be getting a whole bunch of kids up at six in the morning, getting there to get there at half seven to get to the raid at ten A or whatever it is, and, and the raid goes down. Also, later in the day, the raid went down and they kicked everybody out of the queue, right? So some of those people had queued for a long time. We were talking to one guy. He'd been in there for about 45 minutes. And now they've kicked him out. And he's lost his place in the queue. That 45 minutes was wasted. So if the raid comes back up again, he's starting from scratch. It's just wrong, right? Because for, because of two things. Number one, the, ride, the rise of resistance is so popular. And two, it's so unreliable. Was it, so, was it virtual queue when it first opened? Think it was. It was. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, groups, it was board, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah, boarding yeah, groups. Yeah. It was virtual queues, and it should be again. But if the raid goes down, you shouldn't lose your place in the boarding group, no. right? They should know that the raid went down, and we were at boarding group forty-two. So when it comes back up again, it'll be from boarding group forty-two, right? Yeah. And they're not doing that, and it's it's just utterly wrong, right? It's just madness. They are driving people crazy and really pissing people off. And I felt really sorry for the cast members because they've got nowhere to go, right? They're on a hiding and nothing. Those guys are getting smashed and beat up every day. You can see the, you can see the faces when they're dealing with people. These people are getting really stressed up, you know? Like and they're Josh. having to literally turf them out of the queue, right? And, and they've got the system. So why not put it back yeah. in? The raid is so unreliable. It needs a boarding group, right? So anyway. Fast forward, last day of the holiday, I said, the hell with it, I'm paying for it. So we did our atomic clock countdown, three, two, one, one second past seven, bang, got it. But there's no guarantee the raid's going to be running, right? Because the whole time we were there, it was up, down, up, down, up, down. It's, it's got really bad reliability. Same as hybrids, right? Um, and when we talk about universal, we'll talk about hybrids because that's a joke as well. But um, anyway... We've got our um, individual attraction selection. It cost us $19, I think. $19 each, which is a lot of money for six people, right? Anyway, we get on there and we get straight on and we get a faultless run through. It is stunning, right? It is an awesome attraction. And when you go on it, you can see why it breaks down all the time. There is so much to it. Oh, and yeah. P-Dabs, we were talking about some things not working or whatever. I mean, obviously, I've only been on it once, but the bits you were talking about, the laser blasters, they, they were working. 
and everything seemed to be working as far as I could tell. I couldn't see anything that looked like it should be working and wasn't working. But yeah, the attraction I mean, sometimes, is sometimes, so or quite good. often, Kylo doesn't work properly, mm. but there's a B mode for him. Right. So unless you, yeah. So the thing is, unless you know what B mode is, he's yeah. worked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, if it was if it was B mode, we saw it was it was awesome, but I think it probably wasn't because it looked too good. I mean, and and the other thing was the cast members were phenomenal. I mean. You know, where they put I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody, but you know, the, the, there's quite significant cast member interaction through the first half of the ride, first half of the attraction, it's not really a ride. And they are so good. There's so much in character, you know, and they look great, the uniforms spawn, all of that. Um, yeah, it is just so ambitious. I mean, you can see why it breaks down so often. I mean, it's gonna be tough to make that attraction super reliable but you've got to give 10 out of 10 for their ambition on it i mean it is it is proper immersive experience you know i mean i don't know what the galactic star cruiser is like but if it's as, as immersive as rise of the resistance wow you know it's just unbelievable so good it's just so, phenomenal so like we had obviously a, a trip report some would say the most controversial trip report ever on this podcast earlier this year um and you know obviously it wasn't you know wasn't just one element there was there was various elements but the one thing you've yeah. not really talked about um so much so far and i appreciate we've probably mm-hmm. got to wrap up soon is yeah. your actual experience so this is the first time going back since the pandemic first yeah. time was dbc all of yeah. that a lot of yeah. people have said the magic isn't there anymore or that you know, certain things don't seem to be as yep. as smooth. You know, what what was mm-hmm. your experience of like, you know, cast members and you know how stuff yep. is operating in general? I mean, forget about rise of resistance. We know about that, but yeah, what was your experience yeah. like? Yeah, so we had a phenomenal time. Um, I mean, the first time we've been since twenty nineteen. I've added up. This was our fourteenth time toward Disney World, so we kind of know what good looks like, right? Um, I mean, most times we go, we're gone for two and a half weeks. Our longest, I think, is just over three weeks. Our shortest is eight eight days. So we've spent a significant amount of time there. We had a phenomenal time. Is it different? Yes, it, it's different. Um, to be honest, the main thing about it that is 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 probably the worst thing about it is just the crowds. It is. It is so busy, um, and I've been a touring plan subscriber for a long, long time. And you know, on the on the calendar, they give you a score, you know, a ten. And most days when we were there, it was like a five or a six out of ten. Well, I tell you what, a five out of ten these days is a lot different to what a five out of ten is ten years ago. Right, so much more busy. Now, granted, we had the race weekend right in the middle of it. And and that it definitely got busier. The first week we were there, it was it was part of a week before the race weekend. It was it was definitely quiet. I'm not going to say it was quiet. It wasn't quiet at all. But um, it definitely got busier through that weekend, and and then it it got busy the next weekend. But it really pays to have done your homework, to know you know what you want to do, to have strategies, get there early, stay there late, whatever. 
I feel sorry for somebody who's just gone to Disney World for the first time and they haven't done any research. You know, the people that you used to see on Main Street on the first day with a map saying, oh, where's Splash Mountain, you know? Wow. You know, with everything that's going on with Park Reservations, Genie Plus, and just the crowds, it's 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 tough to imagine what that is like. But having said that, though, even on the busy days, we were still able to get on stuff, but you just need a strategy, you know, get there early, ride some of the big stuff. Use your Genie Plus if you've got Genie Plus. Use that tactically. Go and get some food and do some of the quieter things. You know, I mean, Mickey's Filler Magic or, you know, whatever. Shows and things like that during the busier part of the day and then come back later on when it when it quietens up. So, I mean, we did everything that we wanted to do. We did Guardians three times. We did, um, you know, we did um, Ratatouille a couple of times. We did Mini Mickey's a couple of times. We did Toy Story a couple of times. You know, we... We did everything we wanted to do, um, but it is it is quite busy in terms of the cast members. I thought the cast members were phenomenal. I mean, we had we had three things spontaneously happen. Um, we were coming out of the beach club. We just happened to have ridden the Skyliner. We just wanted to ride the Skyliner, so we took it from the studios to the Riviera and then back to the beach club. And we were going to get a bus from the beach club back to the Poly just just for fun, really. And we walked out of the beach club and there was a DVC guy there. And the guy said, excuse me, do you mind me asking where you're going? And we said, well, we're actually just going to get a bus back to the Polynesian. He said, ah, he said, how would you like a magic moment? He said, I'm, I'm a bit quiet right now. I've got the minivan there. I'll take you all back to the Polynesian. Wow, fantastic. Nice. A really nice guy, chatting the whole time, blah, 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 blah. We had the same thing with a bus driver later on. She said, I'm spare. Where does everybody want to go? Most people shouted the Animal Kingdom because there hadn't been an Animal Kingdom bus. She went, right, let's go to the Animal Kingdom. Everybody jumped on the bus. Off we went. Um, we were at Food and Wine and I ordered a, a drink from one of the Food and Wine stalls. And <clears throat> I said to the guy, I could have a, another cup, just an empty plastic cup. And he said, why are you, are you sharing? And I, I thought, well, maybe I'll just be honest. I said, yeah. I said, we, you know, my wife didn't want a whole one, so we just thought we'd share one. He gave us one for free. He gave us he, he gave us a plastic cup, but he filled it up. He gave us gave us a six quid drink for free, you know. So he's still there, you know. Did we meet a couple of grumpy cast members? Yeah, we met one photo pass photographer that you know I quite happily have chucked him in front of Big Thunder Mountain. To be honest, he was a twat. But you, you, in a two week holiday, you're always going to get somebody who's having a bad day, you know. Mm. Um, there was certainly some inexperienced cast members, but they were very nice. You know, there were people that you'd ask questions and they say, well, I haven't watched you that long, but I think it's this or I think it's that and I'll go and get the answer. So they were clearly inexperienced and clearly, you know, hadn't been there for 20, 30 years, but they they seemed like they would be, you know, good additions to, you know, to the company. So we didn't have, we didn't see much, much problems. And the other thing that I was quite impressed by was just the crowds. You know, we didn't see a lot of, you didn't see a lot of people pushing in and queue jumping and things like that. I mean, again, there's a little bit of that at the fireworks, you know, people sort of trying to get in at the last minute, but nothing, nothing horrendous. Um, it is, it is a little bit more kind of restrictive in terms of having to get a park reservation, but we didn't struggle to get park reservations. Although while we were there during the race weekend, we know that we knew that some of the parks had sold out apart reservations if you or had run out apart reservations 
So if you're going at a busy time, you've really got to get a park reservation in advance and um, it pays to think about what you want to do. I mean, you know, you can't just chop and change that first park as, you know, if you're going at a busy time, you, you probably won't be able to do that like the day before. If you decide you're going to go to the Magic Kingdom, you're going to go to the Animal Kingdom, you might struggle. So it does it, it does take a lot bit more planning. Um, but, you know, the attractions that they put in, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Rise of the Resistance, even Mickey and Minnie's, you know, it's not a bad attraction. Um, Ratatouille, um, you know, those things are phenomenal. We saw Harmonious, it was okay, but not a patch on Illuminations, and I'm glad they're going to change it. I hope they, I hope they change it properly. We saw Fantasmic, um, it's awesome. The new scenes are great, they fit in. I mean, if you didn't know that they were new, you know, you just think they'd always been part of the show. Um, so, yeah, we had a phenomenal time. We're going back again next September, so it must have been good. But I think the America problem... in general is expensive as well. That's the other thing. Mm. And Disney is it gets battered for being expensive, and it is. But then so is everything else. Universal is at least as expensive as Disney. I mean, we were actually paying more for drinks in Universal than we were in Disney. We went to August Cantina. We went to Space Two Twenty Lounge. Um, and actually, the cocktails in there were cheaper than some of the cocktails we've got at Halloween Horror Nights. Um, not by much, just a dollar or two. But um, yeah, it is an expensive holiday, or it can be, you know. I think the problem is, what you're saying there about, you know, busy times, is that there's more busy times than ever, because there's more things than ever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more race weekends than, you know, yep. you know they say that grow every every time there's more concerts now yep. there's more festivals mm-hmm. i think i think that's the big problem especially if you don't know you know if you don't mm-hmm. if you're not someone listening to a podcast like this you won't know this stuff and i don't know yeah. everything by any stretch you know i'd get caught out but trying to find a quiet time to go is is quite difficult yeah. to do and i think so that was yeah. the other question you kind of answered it but that that was the other question i've got you know disney holidays now cost so much more and and will yeah. cost so much more going forward than they did, mm-hmm. you know, even five years ago. Do you think, yeah. with that in mind, and and you know, it's difficult for you to answer this properly because you are DVC, so it's a bit you, you're in a different situation. But do you think yeah. that it's it's still value for money, or do you think they might have reached a tipping yeah. point? Yeah, I think no, I don't think they reached a tipping point. I think I think what if it was me right i mean obviously my situation is slightly different but the reason why i went for dvc was because it was much more cost effective you've got to lay up money up front but what i'm paying for the poly was what my sister paid for the all-stars if you mm. if you take it and average it out across the 46 years of the contract right so i'm paying value resort prices which aren't cheap you know but i mean it's it's two thousand quid. It's not seven thousand quid, which is what it would have been if you paid cash for the poly, right? Mm. Um, so if it was if I was if I wasn't DVC, I'd be I wouldn't be staying anywhere other than a value resort. I'd still be staying on site, but I'd be staying at All Stars or Pop Century. Probably mm. the All Stars because it's cheaper than Pop Century, right? Pop Century's on the Skyliner. It's always been yep. more expensive anyway. Yeah. And then it was interesting. We kept every receipt. I mean, most of it was on Apple Pay anyway, so we totaled up our Apple Pay, but we kept every receipt. And we didn't have a dining plan, obviously, because it doesn't exist. We ate quick service most days. We had, I think, two sit-down breakfasts. We had Boma, 
and we had Grand Floridian Cafe and we had a couple of table service meals. We had uh, Shepherd Smith's and, oh yeah, the Skipper, Skipper Canteen in the Magic Kingdom, right? So we had kind of four table service meals. Everything else was counter service, including, you know, using food and wine for, for lunch and stuff like that. Now we don't, so so typically we'd have like a Starbucks, maybe a little snack. Then we'd have a quick service lunch, maybe a soft drink, some of us, maybe not all of us. Then we'd have maybe food and wine or a quick service meal um, in the evening. And then maybe we'd have like an ice cream or a, or a snack later on. We didn't, we don't drink that much on holiday. We had a few cocktails here and there. We went to Ogre's, we went to Space 220. We had a couple of cocktails when we had like Skipper Jacks or whatever, but we, do, we didn't drink a huge amount because that really does rack up the cost. Anyway, guess what our dollar per head per day number came out for that. So this was eaten in Disney restaurants, Disney Springs, Disney theme parks over uh, 11 days per person, per day, dollar value. What do you think it was? 90. Exactly, exactly half of that, $45 a day. Okay. Right, that's what we averaged. So a quick service meal is typically $12, $13, right? If you have a soft drink, it's $3, $4, $4, $4, $4 probably. Um, food and wine is actually about $6, $7 for yep. a small plate. So you have two or three small plates, it's about the same. You Maybe $15, $16, you know, for a couple of small plates. Um so yeah, we averaged, I think it was forty-five or forty-six dollars per person per day. Some days were more than that, some days were less than that. We ate breakfast in the room normally, just cereal, fruit, whatever. Um, so you can I guess what the point is, that may not suit everybody, right? We used to eat table service when we had the dining plan every day, and that may not suit everybody, but if you if you want to, you can make it an affordable holiday. If you stay in a value resort, if you if you if you don't drink a huge amount of alcohol in the parks or in the restaurants, you know, you can always buy alcohol and drink it at your resort, you know, drink it on your balcony or whatever. Um it, you know, you, you can you don't need a car when you're there. We didn't have a car when we were at Disney at all. Um we took Disney Transport and obviously we were we were at a resort which was good for transportation, so that did help. Um, but there was a couple of times when we didn't want to wait for a bus and we Ubered. And so we had maybe four or five Ubers or lifts um, when, you know, it was, a, it was a journey that was a little bit longer, like from the Poly to the Animal Kingdom Lodge. It was quite a hike. So we just Ubered. Um, and between six of us, it was $20, you know, including the tip. So you don't need a car, which means you don't need to pay for a car and you don't need to pay for parking either so that saves your fortune right yeah and i, so and you, I mean you, you can do that it's a it is a top tip i, I still think that mm -hmm. the thing is what's going to be interesting is what those hotels are going to be like because you know already people are saying you know value results for two weeks are getting near mm -hmm. to ten ten thousand now for next nah, year no they're not bullshit that's yeah, nonsense possibly nah, i don't know nah. No, I'm not. Research. Just, but, just check it out on Disney.co. I mean, maybe if you're going at Christmas, but no, well, this is going to be this is going to be summer. Around. This is going to be summertime. You mean you mean including flights and cars and all of that and tickets and stuff like that? Is that what you mean? 
or do you just mean the room itself? Because the room's not ten grand for two weeks. Flights, no flights, and rooms. I don't think there was any car hire in that. Although obviously car hire yeah. is expensive. I mean, the thing is, I think, yeah. and we've talked about this before. Yeah, um, in, you know, when we done Universal, you know, Ubering mm. rather than getting a car, and this was before yeah. the pandemic when car hire wasn't as expensive as it is now. Uh, but mm. Ubers and Lyfts are just a godsend and so much yeah. more easier and reliable um, sure. than having to pay parking charges and, and insurance and, mm. and you know and petrol of course so i do yeah. think that is definitely um a way to go but uh yeah yeah um, anything from i mean um what well, we'll say though sorry what, the only thing i was going to say is just yeah. tickets be careful what tickets you buy because just a disney ticket now is over 500 quid for a 14-day ticket so if you've got a family of four there's there's two grand right away so be careful because if you start buying you know, SeaWorld, Disney, Bush Gardens, Universal. My God, you know, you're going to be spending half your money just on tickets. So yeah, think about what you really need, you know? Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, back in the day, 500 quid would probably be your Disney, your Universal, uh, mm. your Bush Gardens, your um, SeaWorld, yeah. when they used to do those yeah. ultimate tickets. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a different it's a different world now. Um yeah. And I think, and you know, and we'll obviously talk about it on the on the Universal show, but that's mm. that to me is the big thing, is that you look yeah. at, yes, the Universal holiday is completely different to Disney, but you look at how much you're paying for rooms yeah. and everything like that. Yeah, it suddenly and, and your ticket it suddenly becomes a much different. You know, yeah. there was always a gulf between the two, but that gulf is getting wider and wider, and that's where yeah, sure. once Epic opens, that's where I, I can see there being a problem. But uh, yeah. Craig, was there yeah. anything else you wanted to ask? No, I'm still dreading it, and I still can't be asked. Okay. I'd, yeah. I'd cancel tomorrow if it was allowed. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're is that because of the size of the group you're trying to manage, though? Because that, that is stressful. I mean, I was, yeah, I was stressed so, up just trying to manage six people. Yeah, size of group, um, <sighs> reservation system, Genie Plus, um, cost of paying for all my food all the alcohol <clears throat> just can't be asked mm -hmm. I, i'd rather just go to fucking scotland mm -hmm. if i'm being honest with you but i'm not allowed so i'll just have to yeah. fucking suck it up not asked <laughs> i'm really really disillusioned with walt disney world and i genuinely i'm not interested i know i've sat there and listened to that and i'm made up you've had a wonderful time but yeah, I'm surprised. Okay. Even, I'm surprised after hearing that, because even that, you know, hearing this today, and look, we've we've had we've heard from Ryan, we've heard from Kate, we've heard from uh, other listeners about their trips, and you know, they've all been very in degrees. I would say yours is probably one of the most positive experience. Not, I wouldn't say it's the the most positive, but it's definitely up there in uh, you know levels of enjoyment and value for money and everything like that that we've had. But regardless what, of that, what was, what was what was more positive than what you've just listened to? I, I, I'd have to go back, but possibly Steve's. Steve had a really good trip. Steve's a positive guy, but he, he's also so careful D. with his money. No, right. Mr. D splashes the cash a bit more, but he, he doesn't. Uh, he just told you how much he spent per day, and I mean that was because you know you were conservative. I mean, at the end of the day, Mr. D, you know you you had you, you sorted your own breakfast out. Which I always think is a, a top tip anyway, because I don't really rate breakfast at yeah. Disney World. 
Um, we've always done that, though. Yeah, oh no, no, but, done that. yeah, but right. that's because that's because you're sensible. That's what that's what I've done before as well. We we had we've had breakfast before at Disney, mm-hmm. and I, I don't really rate them for value for money. The food, generally speaking, not too bad, but breakfast I never really think of that great at Disney. Uh, so I would always do that as well. Um, but you know, you said you don't drink very much. That really does bring the cost down because you know that yeah. is one of the most expensive outlays you're going to have. Um, well, yeah. But and also the fact that you were at a lot of counter service, which yeah, I think it. people, I think people, especially on the dining plan, and and Craig, you're a great advocate of the dining plan and how you would use it. You know, you would do a lot of sit down meals because you got a dining plan. Why wouldn't you? Um, but I, I think the counter service meals have not had a necessarily a bad rap, but um, I, I think because people on a dining plan, they're not paying for it. They're going for those those other yeah. more pricey meals because you're getting value for money. But I don't think there's anything wrong with yeah. the the counter service uh, option. No, I mean, and just to be clear, you know, there are some phenomenal quick service options now in Disney World. I mean, much better than Universal, right? We were really disappointed at some of the counter service stuff in Universal. There's some good places. One or two, Today Cafe was pretty good. Um, there's one or two good ones, but when you when I when I talk about counter service, I'm talking about things like Blaze Pizza, Deluxe Burger. Um, I'm talking about things like uh, Food and Wine because that that's technically counter service. I mean the the food at Food and Wine. I, we did more food and wine this year than we've ever done. And I don't know how many plates I had. Probably, whew, I'd, like, I'd hate to say, maybe 15, 10, 15, 12 different plates from different booths, different countries. Honestly, I didn't have a bad one. The quality of it is phenomenal. It's small, but just the quality of it is was was amazing, I, right? I agree. I agree. Um, we've done food mm-hmm. and wine before. Same thing. Um you're not huge portions. Yeah. They're not designed to be, yeah. but yeah. in a way that's good because what you can do is go, well, I fancy a bit of that and I fancy a bit of that. So you go and have, yeah. go to one store, get some food, walk around, go yeah. to another store, get some food, uh, or, you know, wait a couple of hours, get some more food, whatever. But yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a really good option. Uh, and But if you go, to... sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and it was, it was one of the things that we, we didn't actually partake in it, but we were commenting about walking around the studios because they've got those booths up now pretty much all year yeah. round. You know, they, they close them for a few weeks while they change them up for like yeah. a season. Um, but they were all open up now kind of like for Christmas. So it's more Christmas mm-hmm. fair. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there, there was good, there was even a, a, an entirely vegan uh, cabin mm-hmm. that they've got there. Mo- yeah. Most had an option anyway. Some didn't, but most did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was one that was just dedicated to vegan food. Like you could have yeah. met around there if you wanted to. Um, yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't say there was uh, they're probably about on a par with food and wine, actually. Probably about six, mm-hmm. seven euros uh, a yeah. dish. So, yeah. yeah. But they also had, um, I mean, the new Connections Eatery in Epcot, you know, that that's really good. I mean, the, they're, they've obviously upped their game there. Um, if you go to Disney World and you're just having hot dogs and chicken nuggets and burgers, then you're not looking around at what's going on because there's so many other places now, so many other mm. options now. They're actually they're actually pretty decent, you know. Um, I think it comes so down yeah, to if you're fussy. Good. I think it comes down to if you're fussy as well, because, mm-hmm. um, and again, we'll talk about more on, the, on this, uh, Disneyland Paris. But um, mm-hmm. the one thing I noted 
on this trip was the amount of options that were available to me where there yeah. hadn't been before. There was there was still, at, you know, probably about four or five restaurants that had no vegetarian options at all. But even Toad yeah. Hall had vegan fish and chips. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. the options I had available to me now were so far yeah. superior than they were two years ago. And the yeah. last I went to Hollywood Studios, I struggled to find food anywhere for me. Everything came with me. Right. But, yeah. you know, looking at the menus now, in general, there it does seem to be a lot more variety. And, as you say, mm-hmm. even at that, when, when I'm looking at restaurants at just their full menus, the variety yeah. of food, the problem comes to how fussy people are. And unfortunately, I don't know yeah. why, but a lot of people that like to go to Disney parks love a lot of beige food. So they will go to the burgers, they will go to the chicken nuggets, they will go to mm-hmm. um well, the there's plenty of it. Yeah, of course yeah, there is. Plenty of it there if they want it. Yeah. People do. But, you know, there's also, you know, different sandwiches. There's also um, you know, salad boxes and rice bowls and, you know, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And then you get to food and wine. And I mean, that's just, you know, where do you even start with yeah. that? We do rundowns on here yeah. before of, of menus, and I mean, even even if someone doesn't eat meat, I'm looking at some of the stuff and going, "Oh man, that sounds delicious," you know, <laughs> it's, you know, but it's not stuff that everyone will want to eat. I understand that as well, but variety is the spice yeah. of life, and they are definitely yeah. appearing to cater more um, yeah. towards it. So, sure. just two quick things: we we had Hurricane Nicole that when we were there, um, or talk about it too much so it didn't really it didn't really impact Orlando that much but they did a fantastic job I mean part shot early one day and opened late the next day but apart from that it was you know pretty pretty well organized and they had lots of entertainment at the hotel because everybody was kind of confined to their hotel for a couple of hours at night so they brought in characters and they cast members were running games nice. for kids in the in the lobby and stuff like that so really really good job there and then uh the other thing was we did the christmas party very good parade is awesome they've definitely upped their game almost as good as the halloween parade but not quite fireworks awesome really good um enjoyed it but it is expensive for us it was 150 dollars ahead i think it i think it's probably something that we wouldn't do for quite a long time you know we'd, we'd maybe do it again in the future but it's i'd much rather go to the halloween party than go to the christmas party um but it was good it's just expensive for what it is i th- i think all yeah. of those things are i think there's stuff that um ideally you do every every trip but the cost that mm-hmm. they they put them up now it's it's not yeah. i don't think they're they're good value for money and i i you know that's yeah. halloween and christmas you know when i yeah. read what people do and their experiences i think i just don't see it being that worth that much money but no. i do think it's stuff that you'd want to probably do every two or three trips do you know what i mean yeah. like you wouldn't yeah, do it definitely. every year yeah. but I, sure. I could see you know when they change it up a little bit wanting to go and see what they've done um yeah yeah i think i think so they're, they're they're lacking compared to disneyland in in how they do it um mm-hmm. personally you know again from what i see but yeah. Well, people pay the prices, they're going to keep doing it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and they're sold up, they're all sold up, yeah, you know, just so, like the Halloween ones were, yeah. Um, and it was pretty busy. I wouldn't say it was, it was teetering on being too busy. And the night we went was sold up, so that's kind of we've seen it at full capacity, and that's what all the other ones are going to be like. And mm. the only the only area it was a problem was fireworks, but still, we managed to get a good spot 
20 minutes before the show. So it wasn't it wasn't terrible. Yeah, it's not um, bad. But it's it's quite busy. I mean, we queued up for about 45, about 30, 30 or 45 minutes, I can't remember now. And we had a good yep. view until it started and then people started putting their kids on their shoulders right in front of you and then uh, you wish yeah. it hadn't bothered. But uh, yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. Disney. Um, well, look, I'm I'm glad you had a great trip, and thank you for sharing it with us. I can't wait to hear about Universal. No so people who want to do that, yeah. listen to the Universal feed, and uh, yeah, it'll be shorter. We're... I promise you. <laughs> well, we're going to be it's it's coming to Christmas now, so uh, recording schedules will be a little bit erratic. We'll, we'll still have at least one weekly, but there's a few that we need to catch up on, so there'll be some extra ones as well in between. So look out for those. And uh, thank you very much. Uh, We will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye now. This podcast is a That Production and part of the After Dark Podcast Network. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.